Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 10. In this episode, I'm joined by a couple of our usual guests, as well as by my sister, who is a public school educator. My friend David, who's on this episode, had been requesting for a while that we do a segment about education, public, private, homeschool, its failings, what it might be doing well, and where it could improve. And so my sister, being an educator, asked to be in on the conversation. I, myself, being a private school teacher, also have some thoughts on the matter. So I think between the three of us and then some other voices present, we do make some worthwhile points. I hope you enjoy. Hey, guys. <laughs> Hi. Hey. What's up? Oh, well, you know. We got two uh, female voices <laughs> yep. on this podcast. My wife, Nicole, Hello. and then my sister, Jessica. Hello. Burgeoner. <laughs> and, uh... That's how you say it. <laughs> so, how's everybody doing? Pretty good. Great. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. I'm excited Fine. for this. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. Um, uh, we all get that joke except for my wife because yeah, she doesn't listen. To <laughs> Wait, Jess, oh, well. she's a listener. <laughs> Do you listen to any of my Facebook lives? No. Exactly. <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> out, out of spite. <laughs> I thought about no, no. no. Uh, I was gonna listen to all of them, but then when I saw you weren't listening to mine, I just boycotted it. You can't catch on, up on out of my principle. Facebook lives. Yeah. <laughs> it's too many. Yeah. I uh. So one thing I want to talk about, something I've been really passionate about for like a couple of years, but a couple of weeks ago, it like really spoke to my like, I don't know, just something spoke inside of me. I'm like, wow, like this is, I, I've been passionate about this. I've been like wanting to say something about this, but I never have until a couple of weeks ago, my friend Dylan, thank you, Dylan. Um, shout out to Dylan. Shout out to Dylan. <laughs> uh, so he was, he's still in college next week and he was telling me that He's doing some math again that he learned in high school and middle school. He didn't understand like why he would have to take that math again. And I was telling him like, yeah, isn't it crazy? Like a lot of things were taught in middle school and high school. It just, we're kind of retaught in college. And then that's how the conversation started. We just started talking about like education. Like what, what is the best way to educate kids? Because in my personal opinion, uh, humans are the most important thing. I think everyone can agree with that. Mm. Humans are the most important thing on the, like, on the planet Earth. Like Crunchwrap Supremes. Never Those had are one. pretty important. <laughs> but uh, but in on humans, there is a rank system. I would say like the, the number one. I would say is children. The alphas. The alphas. I would say all yeah. <laughs> okay. all children are the most important thing on this planet. Mm. Um and. How we teach children is how the future is going to look like. Uh, Eric disagrees with your statement that children are the most important thing on, on this planet. planet. Oh, I think the adults are. Okay, well, yeah, fine. <laughs> take that, kids. <laughs> I'm just, like, just speaking. Uh, well, I mean, adult. adults can procreate and, and they have engineering yeah. Kids can't and... make adults. Yeah. <laughs> Check me. <laughs> but if you, if we want to have. Uh, if we want to have a good future for these uh, young kids, if we want anything to change at all, we need to teach these kids correctly. 
and just how to like how to live life just better, not mm. as much stress. So today, so the past couple of weeks, uh, at work, I've been literally asking everybody, young and old, just a bunch of questions. I think that every adult should uh, know. Like they should have been taught in school. Uh, they should have okay. been taught in school. Got it. Um, and it's just like basic stuff. Like for instance, like it's a quadratic I, equation. I paid. Everyone got paid, and I asked them what their paycheck meant. Like when they looked at the pay stuff, what they it know meant. the numbers. Yeah, mm-hmm. no one knew. Not single. I promise you, not a single person knew, except for the management. Hmm. But there was two managers who didn't know. Dang. There was no one knew. What it meant. This is just your way of getting to look at their paycheck. Right? <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't look, but like I, I asked them, and they none, none of them, none of them knew what it meant. Mm-hmm. Um, then I asked them, like, they, a lot of it was just money stuff. I'm like, so everyone who like lives by themselves, I asked them, like, do you guys know how to budget your money? Do you know how to finance? Mm-hmm. None of them knew that. Mm-hmm. And close, close friends of mine. Who I, who I asked, and they said, like, they don't know how to budget. They don't know how to finance. They said if they go two weeks without a job, they could be homeless. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to save money. Living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's because they just, like, they were never taught that. They mm-hmm. just think, oh, this is just an everyday life. And it's, it's sad. Like, they can't, they never go on vacation. They never buy the things they want. Mm-hmm. What's the average age of these people? My age, about like 24. Okay. Yeah, that's that's average age? Yeah, about average age. Yeah, about 24. About Mm. 24 to 27, I would say. What about, is there anyone that you work with who's older, like 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the average is 24 Mm -hmm. to 27. Yeah, Yeah. there's some 30 olds, but they're living paycheck to paycheck. That even so. Yeah. And that's a lot of people. So still pretty pretty young. Yeah, but young, but that's old enough to learn. To be not be able to live paycheck to paycheck, you should be able to learn how to finance, learn how to budget, how to save, how to save money. It's it's extraordinary just how what they were taught and stuff in school. It's just I don't think they sh- it, it it makes no sense. Like so is is the gist of this? Okay, so <laughs> for those listening, David's been uh, talking about recording one of these for. I think it was it last week yeah. that you came in. You were excited about this, and then my sister, who also is part of our group, um, she was like, "Well, I'm also a teacher, and so I have a lot of thoughts about this, and so I'd like to be in on it when you can, um, you know, if if you can uh, include me on that conversation." So we're doing that. But it is are most of your, I guess, complaints about the way that the the failings of education, do they have to do with how people handle their money specifically, or are you talking about even other things? I'm just talking about like other things as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, a just lot like of it. being ready for life. Yeah, just being ready for life. It's like if I think schools, it's their responsibility <clears throat> and parents' responsibilities. But if you're trusting the school to teach your children how to do this, it is their responsibility now mm-hmm. as well. Um, if kids don't know how to get a job, like that's a big thing. Kids don't they don't know how to get a job. They don't know how to talk to people. They don't know how to interview. Is they schools aren't teaching them that. You think it would be a basic thing, but like working at a Chick Fil A, you see a lot of young kids come in and they just don't know anything. Huh. And it's I think that's just a big factor that we're not teaching our kids. Instead, they know 
how Henry the Seventh killed his killed his wives. They know Shakespeare's classics. They can Hen- recite Hen- that. Henry the Eighth. Eighth. Thank you. So apparently they, they don't know. Yeah. Oh wait, you're homeschooled. You're they, homeschooled. All oh, public school oh. kids know that that's Henry yeah. VIII. Trust no, me, don't. as as a high school uh, history teacher. But, trust me, they yeah, but all know that. a lot of them, they honestly, they do know a lot of Shakespeare classics. But like, how does that help you at all? And yeah, when you become useless. an adult, art, poetry, it's right. all garbage. You just and I think it's replace I'll, our kids with computers. Wow, it's a lot of, just a lot of. I can go on this. For a long time just how a lot of things were taught in school is just absolutely bs so All what right. kinds of things in school would you say are bs that are being taught henry the i mean yeah. that okay. i would so uh, history i would say a lot of history okay uh, especially the Ooh. olden i would say a lot of the olden american west okay is kind of history is useless why why is it useless uh okay so you know i have, I have a couple of notes here Sorry. Yeah, David came prepared. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Locked and loaded. So, um, when you're talking about history, I think American history is really important. I think how this country was Specifically for Americans or yes. for Just every... But, but, but like for <laughs> the United States, okay. for Americans, I think <laughs> it's really important Anything to know how this country became. Mississippi. Mississippi. But what not taught is how... No one at my job knew knows where money comes from. Mm. No, not a single person. They are, they're asking me, like that's. I think that should be part of history, but Sh- things maybe <clears throat> economics. Right, that sounds like economics. I teach economics I mean, which too. I took in high school yeah. and had no problem with. But what I see a lot of just in some of the things you're talking about with money, people that I talk to my age that don't know how to handle their money. Guess who else didn't know how to handle their money? Their, their parents, parents yeah. and their grandparents and their great grandparents. Yeah. That not always, obviously, but like in my case, you know, like budgeting is something that we learned how to do from our parents, you know, from our parents, nickel and diming too. Because it's like if if your parents are like, oh, I don't feel like making anything. Let's just go out to eat. And like they just they buy little things that they want all the time. Mm -hmm. Then the kid sees that as being like, you know, an acceptable habit. They grow up and maybe even just when they first move out, they are like, oh, well. I don't feel like cooking right now, so I'll go out to eat, and I'll buy this little trinket, and I'll, you know, treat myself here and there. And then at the end of the month, they're like, whoa, what happened to all my money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think, I think that going back to that, the parent thing, I think <coughs> it is, like, it's not the children's fault. It's the parents that are the problem. Oh, sure, yeah. It's mm-hmm. definitely the parents that are the problem. Um, and that's what I'm saying is that it's so important to teach these kids, because when they become parents, mm-hmm. they can teach their kids how to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. It just started with... Uh, I'm saying it's like lazy parents not wanting to teach their kids this and it's their responsibility mm. to do it. I mean, it could be laziness or not knowing any better because again, if that's how you were raised yeah. and how the people were raised before you, like that's just what you see as, like you said, an acceptable habit because that's just what is happening, you know, and then you don't realize how to get out of that unless, fine, maybe there's someone else who comes in and teaches you how to fix it and you listen to that and you start, you know, uh, using these new habits or whatever, but um, so even so, things like that are, are you ask, are you saying that it's the parents' responsibility or the school's responsibility or both? Like I think uh, it's the parents' responsibility to make sure the school teaches okay. them. I think also if parents can't teach, there's a lot of single dads and single moms mm-hmm. out there, and they can't. They they're working, sure. so I think that's when the school comes in and they have to teach these kids. But at the end of it. It is the um, 
it's the parents outside the and it comes it's the parents responsibility mm-hmm. that they that they, they teach these kids well and that they go up not having so everybody you know, should questions. be homeschooled the end <laughs> yeah actually well, I, uh, I mean yeah it's not <laughs> what if we uh okay what's the average no this is a horrible idea but I'm just gonna say it and then get your reaction okay what's the what's the amount of money that the county spends on spends per child per year what if you just gave that to the parents every year and it's like here here's a stipend like you won't have to work your job and then you can educate your own kids because in a lot of cases i don't think so in central florida but in a lot of cases the amount of money that's spent per child per year would pay a parent to quit their job and to be their kid's full-time educator yeah i about that. I'm thinking specifically right now about like big cities, okay. like Chicago, New York, definitely. Right. Um, I believe Chicago is like thirty-six thousand per child per year, which just seems like that's a lot gross mismanagement of funds when you consider the quality of education they're getting in a lot of those schools, inner city schools especially. Yeah, well, I think parents don't know how to be parents at this moment. A lot of them don't. Because I think kind uh, I'm just going to interpret something that you said, kind of read between the lines. But when you say the parents, it's their responsibility to make sure the school, really, what, what are we doing? We're just throwing responsibility off into the school. The government has taken the role of parenting kids now, yeah. mm-hmm. which I think was always a, a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you see this kind of um, take shape when, when parents are complaining that schools are closed because they have to have, but then they can also go to work or whatever. And it's like, well, it's because the way that we molded our lives is drop the kids off, I do my work, and then we meet back in the house at some mm-hmm. point in time. But it's like limited hours yeah. of interaction. Mm-hmm. You don't really see each other. Yeah, and so it's like, now the teachers are really being thought of as babysitters, even though no one's saying that. But it's like, you have to take Oh, there's a lot kid. of people saying oh, that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but especially I, teachers. Especially the teachers. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've confronted people, you know, like, or, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, the schools need to be open or this or that. And it's like, wait a minute. But if the teachers are in danger, yeah, it's not their responsibility to yeah. parent your child. It's your responsibility. But, you know, my mom's actually a parent coach. Like uh, A parent coach? Yeah. Whoa. She, well, she coaches parents. Well, like, how, do, how does that work itself out? Um, I, I'd have to ask her the details. So, like, she does. How far can she throw a baby? <laughs> I, wow. I think all my brothers, Ben, Jake, just, you know, Ben, Jake, mm-hmm. and then Timothy, they went to a parenting, and my parents went to a parenting uh, class, and they taught them how to, how to mm-hmm. parent, how to be a parent. So ironic. Because yeah. you still have to go to school. Well, it's <laughs> like, a parent, hmm, they don't have to if go. only there were people that parented me yeah. who I right. could go to to consult for, like, how I should, yeah, you know. They're not always the best. And and sometimes maybe you're not going to listen to them. I can't tell you how many conversations yeah, I've had with people. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like new moms and, and moms of, like, five-year-olds and six-year-olds. And you really are just guessing at, mm-hmm. at it. It's always. just a guess. Yeah. It's always a guess. Yeah. Almost yeah, like the family. So I think that's a good it's idea. like, and it's tricky because even even with that, like I'm a huge advocate for homeschooling, but I don't think I would have been a good candidate for homeschooling because I was stubborn to put it lightly and um, refused to learn anything from my mom. Mm-hmm. So it's like I would not have that wouldn't have worked for me. Um, but I always I do think that homeschooling is the best route to go when it is done well and when it is done for most wisely. People, you know? Right, exactly. Well, because 
the idea is you know that kid better than anyone mm -hmm. you know you know what they need you know what they understand and what they don't understand you know their strengths you know their weaknesses and you know how to design instruction that works well yeah. for that and you can actually discipline them yes like i tell my students There's all the that. time i have i can't do anything to nope. you all i can do is tattle mm -hmm. like if if you get in you know in our school we call them demerits or you know i've heard referrals disciplinary slips whatever it's like if if i give you one of these all i've done is told on you mm -hmm. and then you know there are kids that they don't care if they get a demerit because they're like my mom's gonna sign it and she's she's on my side she doesn't she doesn't care so it's like the, the teacher in that case has no power to affect the behavior of the student. Um, and then you have kids that, man, if they get a demerit, like they're sobbing because they know they're going to get tore up when mm -hmm. they get home. And uh, it's like, okay, if, if you as a parent are the disciplinarian, then you can just do things that a teacher can't. And, you know, like you were saying, you know your kid better, but also you can be the one to take away privileges or mm -hmm. to spank or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I think, so, as I was being being homeschooled, I think the only problem I see being homeschooled, and again, is the parents' responsibility, and thank goodness my parents didn't fail on this. It's how to talk to people. Mm -hmm. yeah, like a, teaching kids teaching how to Teaching kids how to talk to people, how to interact with people, mm -hmm. how to carry a conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, I know... Well, your homeschool had more students than some private right. schools, yeah. you know. But no, but e even then, like You're my parents made sure I had friends. I had gone <clears> out and made <throat> friends and on how to and yeah. made sure that I was friends with people that weren't homeschooled as well. Yeah, because losers. Yeah, <laughs> I was friends with homeschooled, but I was my parents made sure I was homes uh, made friends with people that went to school, mm -hmm. and they just real school. Because I went, I've seen a lot of homeschoolers. A lot of them work at Chick Fil A. They're just not able to carry a conversation. Mm -hmm. They don't look mm -hmm. at each other in the eye. They don't. It's a very one-sided answer. Mm -hmm. They're like, "Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing good." Oh, that's plenty of public school, that's, private school then, kids. Yeah. How are you doing? Good. What'd you learn in school today? Uh -huh. yeah. That's a bigger issue than just appropriate school. Yeah. But then it's just like not engaging. I would mm -hmm. say it's just like going up to someone who's very sheltered, who doesn't <clears> know anything like i'm trying to carry a conversation with um with someone that was homeschooled who's very sheltered and they don't they don't they can't carry a conversation it's very hard mm -hmm. for me to talk to them yeah. i'm trying my best to um that's that's the only fault i see being homeschooled but if you're able to make sure they have that communication that's right. good and that's just oh. down to social interaction, period. Yeah. You know, it's like your your homeschool group, whatever that is, those aren't the only people you ever see in your life, you know? You just, you have to spend time with other people, friends, church friends, you know, whatever, um, to build, like, that's just hanging out together and building those social skills, which start, you know, from the very beginning, you know? Like, as a young child, you start developing <clears throat> a lot of the habits that are going to carry on throughout your life um, socially, you know, so that's, again, not necessarily connected to education in and of itself, but just being exposed to other humans. Right. And actually, there was one more thing I kind of see the fault of being homeschooled. Now, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, whoever listens to this might disagree with me, or some of you guys might disagree with me, is that I am kind of in a favor, kind of. Like, I'm going to this quickly, but like, being bullied mm -hmm. kind of helps you. 
-hmm. It does. It builds character. Um, it like, if a kid, like for instance, my nephew, Daniel, he was playing on the playground and he got pushed out of the way. He fell to the ground. Mm. My brother, the father, was like, that's fine. Get up and go down. Like, you, he's teaching up, the kid. Wait, get up wait, and what? Get up and just wait in line. Like, the kids are going to push out of the way. He's waiting in line and kids are going to push out of the way. He's like, I want him to know that he's not the biggest kid in school. And that's fine. Mm. He's not the most important. But he needs to know that everything he everything he does, he doesn't get his way all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, my brother was mad, but it's like, I, and I agreed with him. Like, I, I told my friend Dylan, I think in this generation especially, is that you can't say anything to anybody. And you, you just become the victim. You become the bad guy. For instance, like, I, I will, when I was in school, I was terrible clothes. I was ugly. Like, well, the baggy, I was, my clothing, my style was terrible. My, now my friends, now people made fun of me. <clears throat> Guess what? I changed. I'm not saying that making fun of someone, there's a difference between, like, making fun of someone and being mean to them. It's, I think that's wrong. But I think that does sometimes help kids. I yeah, think... Well, I think it's just the fact that there's a pressure on you from the outside to be better than you are, you know, to be... Uh, you know, more well-dressed. Not necessarily as far as, like, wearing more expensive clothes, but just wearing clothes that make you look more well-put-together. And then, you know, there's kids that are stronger than you, and there are kids that are going to get picked before you in PE, and there's kids that are going to beat you for the honor roll or whatever. And so that competition, a healthy amount of competition, drives people to desire to better themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of what I might, like, what I would say to my kid if they were like pushed or bullied or something i but go ahead and also like it's when it comes to this i see this quite a bit again i don't want to like offend anyone but like if i were to call someone fat and say hey you're like you're overweight i'm the bad guy like i'm i'm the villain like everyone's like you know no i'm trying like no there is a better way to say that you're overweight but i'm saying if kids are being called like oh hey like, they're making fun of them being because they're overweight one I, I just think, I just helps build character. It just helps just build that thing. Because I, I was made fun of all the time. Mm -hmm. And now, like, I think I think my parents did a good job mm -hmm. saying, like, you're going to get bullied. You're going to get made fun of. Like, that's life. Even mm -hmm. as adults, you're going to get made fun of. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter, like... But Man, I think yeah, I'd, ha I'd have to qualify a lot of yeah, what you said in order on. to be able to disagree, or in order to be able to agree with it. And I'm not saying, that, like, being called... Like, there's a way of telling, telling someone they're overweight and they need to lose weight. Right. Also, whose is job good. is that? I think it is good. Who's, whose job is it to right. tell a person, like, hey, man, that. you you realize that you're making problems for yourself down the road as far as, like, you know, carrying all this extra weight and putting all this extra stress on your heart and, mm -hmm. you know, even just developing unha unhealthy habits. It's like, whose job is it to tell that person that thing? But, I mean, there there are also pressures as far as, like, you know, when it comes to, and, and kids in high school are unfortunately thinking this way as well, but when it comes to, like, dating, it's like, you know, you want to be, not just in looks, but you want to be a person who's put together so that other people see you as, like, a viable candidate for boyfriend, girlfriend. I well, I think what you're, you're hitting at is uh, being taught or trained to survive the world and its hardships. Right. Which mm -hmm. I think there is a value to that. Absolutely. Like, accept that 
life's gonna be hard. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's gonna like you, and and what how to respond in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, it's also not becoming that as well, which I think is what you guys are saying. Like, don't mm-hmm. think that because you're we're teaching you how to survive bullying that, that you can be a bully or, or right. that bullying is good. I'm not. I I, I don't encourage bullying at all. I don't. I think it's. Well, I think it's right. absolutely terrible. Like I, I was didn't hurt. you just say like I think bullying is? Yo, hang on, kids. no, no. I'm just saying like I think I think it doesn't matter. Like I still think it's wrong. Like I think, uh, for instance, I think like there's some things that I think was wrong, but I think it should need it, that needs to be done. This, hmm. I mean that that's maybe another. something that's not bullying. Maybe you're thinking of something, but you're identifying it as bullying. Yeah, but kids are gonna bully. Like that's what I'm saying. Is that kid? You can't. You're not going to teach a kid like not to a necessary someone. evil kind yeah. of thing. That kids, no matter what they are, they're going to be mean to another kid. In like a that's, mild form. Like no matter what. Like it's just. I don't care how good of a parent you are. Mm-hmm. That kid's going to be mean to another kid at one point in his life. Mm-hmm. The yeah. kid's going to make fun of another kid. Yes. I did it. My parents taught me great Christian family. But I was. I made fun of a whole bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. That's just what they are. But a bunch of kids made fun of me. Mm-hmm. And as teenagers, they made fun of me. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I didn't want to be made fun of anymore, so I changed mm-hmm. for better. Mm-hmm. Not because like I'm going to change who I am or this is who I am, like it's my personality. No, it's because they made fun of me things that like my clothing, mm-hmm. my hygiene, my stuff like that. I think it's good because I, like I didn't want them to make fun of me of that, so I'm going to practice that. My accent. I spoke terrible English. My, no one could understand me except for my family. People made fun of me for that. So instead of me going home telling my parents and crying, blah, 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 my parents didn't say, oh, that's just your personality. They said, practice, work on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really important is that them telling me that made me a, just improve myself better. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a better way they could have said it, but they said it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, it depends how you take it. Are you going to take it as if like, oh, I'm... They've made fun of me. I'm gonna tell everybody. They're gonna. I'm gonna be the good guy. They were the ones. They were the bad guy. I'm not gonna improve myself. Mm-hmm. Like, if yeah, no but one... that that desire to improve shouldn't come from the other kids who were mean to you, because that what that develops now is this socially prescribed norm, rather than like why why should I be having better hygiene? Why should I be you know taking care of my weight or whatever? I think it goes back to what you were saying about who it comes from, you know, I mean, talking as someone who did struggle with some weight issues when I was younger, like I would genuinely appreciate someone who cares about me, who knows me, who has a relationship with me, like sitting down and saying, Hey, this, this, and this rather hearing it from other people. It's just, it's really hurtful and really, and I understand what you're saying about it becomes like kind of a necessary evil, but like those kinds of things do carry you know, and knowing how to deal with them is more the thing that should be focused on rather than the bullying itself. Like when that happens, okay, let me get some guidance and counseling on how I should deal with these people who are speaking to me this way or whatever, you know, I think it is more important for that to come from someone that has a relationship with you already. Yeah. And I, I think it's, I think it's possible to never have been bullied and to still have the tools that you need Mm -hmm. to encounter Mm -hmm. various sorts of antagonism as an adult you know um it's it's like bullying is an unfortunate thing that exists that can be used to hone Mm -hmm. 
you know, certain things if necessary, but, like, I'd be fine if it was not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, like, in a perfect world, um, I think it should be close friends and family that should tell you, mm-hmm. but we, we don't live in that perfect world. We do have, that no matter what, like, again, I said, like, no matter what, there will be, when you're a child, when you're a teenager, there will be other teenagers and kids that will make fun of you. Every, every child, even the most popular, they get made fun of. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I think... Then that that's one thing I think uh, like being homeschooled. It just it just makes it depend again it dep- it all dep- it depends on the parents. But I yeah. think and I don't think this is like a specifically homeschool thing because when I I don't think of homeschooled kids as being particularly like sensitive snowflakey. I I think there's plenty of that in public schools, man. Yeah, but yes. this mean a lot of it's more homeschool. I know a lot of homeschools, and they all like. I mean, you're talking you're talking what? to a public school teacher and a private school teacher here. Wait, like, that, what specifically is the argument that you think is specifically that they're very sensitive? They're yeah. Very overly oh, honey, sensitive. they're all sensitive. Oh. In no, I agree. School. They're all sensitive. Yeah, all but like, them. I think your argument <laughs> against the regular education system is just an argument against kids. Yeah, that's but honestly what it sounds important. like. Yeah, I think you're arguing for Eric's idea that kids aren't that great. No. But, but they, they, so, they're they're trash. But like they're also kids. It's like you don't expect them to be these you know bastions of of self confidence and and uh, and capacity to do things. You're like, hey, you kind of suck. And part of the the journey forward for you is going to be mm-hmm. learning how to suck less. Right. So. Uh, I, I'm trying to think, like, pulling it full circle, though, because he was initially talking about economics, being able to write your checks, and, sorry, being able to write your checks, being able to understand your your paycheck, rather, and so are we noticing just, is it just kids, and kids don't know how to do X, Y, Z, or is this a generational thing, and, like, as generations come, you know, we're getting, what, Gen Z, and all those populations of kids, yeah. uh, are they less able as they're getting older? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I honestly do because whether it's like, so you know, going, right, not going like what you said, going back to full circle. Yeah. Um, less able to you're saying specifically like less able to budget, less able to life uh, skills handle life. life skills. Because, I mean, like, just, I, that's also that's that's tough because the set of things that are important life skills changes. Like people point out, like man. Uh, millennials, they, they're just not good. They're not as good at, um, you know, fixing their own car as boomers. And it's like, okay, well, if you were a boomer and you had a car, it was a bigger deal and more expensive to get it fixed. So there was more of an incentive to do all that stuff yourself. And now boomers can't do things that are very, you know, technologically oriented. Likewise, boomers aren't great at, I don't know, like smelting swords or whatever, like they're not, they're or making horseshoes or whatever. <laughs> Just, a real jump there. Well, I'm Try saying like they, no, there's a, there's a class of skills that would have been considered really important. Right. Like mm. you can't shoe a horse. Like yeah. man, you're useless. And it's like, well, I don't really like I've ridden a horse, but I don't really know a lot of people who need to shoe their own horses anymore. And then it's just like now, uh, you know, if, if a kid, I'm gonna be teaching a kid, hey go online and learn Excel, like learn Microsoft Excel, and that's going to make you you way more employable than you would otherwise be. So the the set of skills that constitute what it takes to get through a life, 
mm-hmm. is always changing and changing faster now more than ever. But there are some, yeah. but there are some things that just mm-hmm. it would last forever. Like fixing, like knowing how to change your tire, knowing how to change your oil, knowing how to, like a lot of car mechanics, like use what you said. Like I think generation this would be a thing forever. Like, yeah, you need like to to do we'll this. change your tire until we have hover cars. You know, right. yeah, it's, it's, exactly. Like, but, and well, like don't... even economics, they now have apps that will do all of your budgeting for you. Yes. yes. So you just have to put in this, this, and this. And if and you're always getting bailed out by the government, why, why do you have? To <laughs> yeah, why not? yeah. <laughs> so it's always like we will learn to survive our surroundings. Yeah. But there are but things. The surroundings are changing. Yeah, but, but my my problem with education is it's it's not it's not natural to the way that humans are mm-hmm. in the way that we do education and like trying to promote someone to grow in the way that I feel in, in my philosophy that they're kind of prepackaged to grow. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that everybody's designed a certain way and that that design will make itself clear throughout life, their life. Yeah. And what teachers, or you know, parents, teachers, however you want to. We're trying to make sure they're average at everything. Exactly. Instead of like, whoa, yes. this kid's got a math brain. I'm yeah. gonna stop teaching him. Like, he's in seventh grade, but I'm gonna stop teaching him that much history. Like, uh, hey, you know the first the first uh, president? Cool. Okay, let's get you into like trigonometry right, and that right. kind of stuff. And yeah. then that kid goes on to, mm-hmm. you know, build bridges or whatever. And then you have other kids who are gonna become artists and who are gonna become, right. you know, different types of things. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. That's what. I was telling, I don't know who I told, but I think that's, I said, like, I think that's really, really, I think that's what they should do. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, so like, yeah. if you're, if you find a kid that's excellent, like, excellent mm-hmm. at math, like, he just has a brain for it, a talent for it, mm-hmm. invest in that kid on math. You, he doesn't need to know about, like, history and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, just certain aspects him, of history. Right. But, like, even how him, we teach you still history. need to have a basic, a baseline basic. understanding. But you, right. that but. kid doesn't, like, ha- invest in this kid, like, he, he's enjoying it. He has a brain yeah. for it. If he mm-hmm. has a talent for it, let's see how well we can get this kid to go. And I would also say is that even after he graduates high school, in my opinion, I think high schools should try to get that kid, the kids that all have a novel, like have the talent for like math, they should get that kid into a college. I mean, he will most likely get, if he's that small, he will most likely get a um, what's that thing scholarship. scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he goes to with college, I think it's college's job to make sure he finds a job. Mm. I think that's it's a the college's drama. job to make sure he finds a job. To help it's him, not I'm not, not to get a job to help him find a job that that like, fits in his what he wants to do. Shepherd, it's, it's, it's shepherd, it's guidance. Yeah, yeah okay. guidance. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because honestly, that's where education system really started was with just the basics. It what all the things that it is now. Mm-hmm. These are all things that have been layered on top you know over and over and over again we've become more than just educators but you are a therapist you are a nurse you are this like you are everything that really parents should be to their kids you know and i'm not saying that the parents are not but like while they're in your care you do have to do these things for them you know well in some cases they are some cases they're not whatever um but like education started just the basics you're only going to school to learn basic math basic writing skills basic reading skills that's it yeah. all of this other stuff just mm-hmm. kind of was either incorporated you know somehow by what you're reading maybe science-based or might be history-based or whatever yeah. you know but the the skill set was reading writing and math that was it yeah. you know and now we've added all these other things because... basically to have something to do, what do, you I, mean, something I, to I, do? I think a lot of, it's like hey you know 
the parents are expecting us to, to hang on to these kids and to babysit mm. them. So, uh, um, can you name all the British Isles? Uh, hey, can you name all the, you know, amino acids? Like, we're just, in, instead of, but I, I think it's, uh, well, it's, I do agree with a lot of what you were saying because people will point out, oh, uh, Abraham Lincoln had a sixth grade education, mm. right? It's like, okay, well, one, what did a sixth grade education mean back then? Right. But then he also went to law school. And he was a lawyer, but he was able to go to law school with a sixth grade education because Mm -hmm. he was a proficient reader Mm -hmm. and he understood basic math. You know, it's like language and some math, like just Mm -hmm. those are building blocks. And then, hey, you like history? Go teach yourself about history. Go Mm -hmm. teach yourself about law, medicine, you know, those sorts of things. I was I was going to say from what I was told, I think my mom was once told this and it makes sense, but I don't know if it's true, but a lot of the layers came about during the cold the cold war mm-hmm. and it was to have a smarter population mm-hmm. to kind of be ahead of the, combat the russians yeah uh so it's like oh well we'll have all kind of you know geniuses brainiacs and yeah, all over the place yeah. because you know we got to go to the moon first we got to have right more weapons well yeah because there was an emphasis on like higher skills so like your gifted population got a lot of attention and a lot of resources and stuff whereas now it's shifted more you know we have the whole no child left behind concept where it's like now we're what we're trying to do is just average everything out make sure all yeah. these kids who struggle we can get them to a proficient quote-unquote level which yeah. let's be real like you know some of them may get there and some of them may simply work towards that but you know it's like there's so much emphasis put on the bottom that the top gets ignored because oh well they're self-sustaining and they're not like they they still need guidance they still need someone who's going to push them you know and all of that but i mean the layers are a lot of things because like now um you know again war times that's when women started going to work you know and so now you know that's changed the dynamic entirely which has changed the needs of kids and and the population around you and so schools have changed and adapted to now meet these kinds of needs which i think extended the school day significantly so now we need things to do or whatever Hmm. the case may be yeah that's a good point you know if if uh now well there's a couple things on that one if if all your moms are now entering the workforce then you need school to be the necessary daycare and then it's also one of those things, this is an economics thing. Well, the women are going to work. You've doubled the supply of labor. Yep. And when you double the supply of something, you cut its value in half. Yep. Which means now both parents must work mm-hmm. or else, well, I mean, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. But in a lot of cases, mm-hmm. you need both parents to work in order to, to get by. Whereas how many of us know, like, or even have a grandparent where it's like, okay, the, the dad was able to work. Mom was able to stay at home with X amount of kids and like they had a house and they had maybe not two cars, but they had a car and they got by pretty well. Mm -hmm. So I uh, also think so not thinking about it it is like a lot of it goes down to economics and money. I think our kids um, kind of need to learn. Inception. Uh, (laughs) A lot of kids, I think, need to learn like you don't need the nicest things. Like mm. when you when you start out, an eighteen year old, when you move out, you're gonna be poor. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Yeah. You, you you're poor. Yeah. Uh, you have no money. Welcome you can, you can to show. the bottom of the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> you you are the bottom. So, a lot like I have two friends. Actually, I know two people. <laughs> no, please, I know two people, who are. He has a twenty nineteen Jaguar. Mm-mm. Okay. How old is this guy? 
2019. His parents are helping him out. Well, and I, I think, think, and it's, I'm asking, like, I asked him why he got it. Because I'm curious, like, why did you get it? He's like, oh, like, driving my old type of car, like, people are staring at me and people in front of me. Like, it's, it's embarrassing. And so, I think, I'm not saying this perfect kid, but I think it's a lot, like, just self-identity. Mm-hmm. That I think, like, hey, you're not gonna, you're gonna be on the bottom. You're gonna be poor, and that's fine. Yeah, like, well, who gets rich and popular? Yeah, no. I mean, like, it takes time. people who drive fancy cars yeah. and flex and, you know, it's like, what are, they, what are these kids especially used to watching on YouTube mm-hmm. but people who, you know, just show off their lavish, wealthy lifestyle? Right. And, and there's a cult of, I mean, it's not new, but there's, like, just a cult of lavishness. Yeah. And I, some, when I was driving my minivan, like, man, that thing was going to break down any minute. My window, I had to duct tape my window. Uh, my car right now tie strap my headlight, but I told a lot of my uh, my friends and my younger kids. I'm like, it doesn't matter if as long drive a car that takes you to, from point A to point B. That's all you need. Um, I told them like, if you drive an old crappy car, no one is going to make fun of you. Wait, I say all your friends? Well, none of them are gonna make fun of you. If they do make fun of you, they're not your friends. Mm. But everyone. Who who are your friends right now? And most of the people and all the wealthy people, like successful people, they're not gonna make fun of you because they went through the same thing. Mm. Like they 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 understand. Most of them would say, "I said I un- like you drive an old crappy car. I'm not gonna make fun of you for that. Like I understand that. I drive an old crappy car. But like a lot of they just they're so like, oh, I need the nicest stuff. I need the nicest clothes. I all my clothes are pretty much I drop at thrift stores, and they don't even know it comes came from a thrift store. Mm-hmm. But when kids come in, the $200 shoes, like, it's your money, I understand. But, like, you don't need that stuff, and you don't need the nicest stuff. Like, mm-hmm. no one's going to make, like, your friends are not going to make fun of you for driving a crappy car. And if they do, that's when you got to look at your friendship with them. Because they, un- they, all your friends, they're, they're going to understand. They understand why you're struggling, because they're mm-hmm. struggling as well. And that's just the values issue you know really it has a lot to do with what you're taught is valuable you know early on yeah and another thing is i think kids should learn how they need to boost their work ethic Mm -hmm. i think laziness is a big thing with kids i've seen it laziness is just it's ugly it's a it's a bad trait i see it's a very bad trait i have a team member over 20 years old, works two days a week, works five hours, and, and, and I, I don't like her having her, because she's, she's lazy. And it's just because, I think, it's also because her parents are wealthy, her parents just give her everything. Mm. That's a big problem I have too, but I think, at a young age, I think in my opinion, starting at 16, I think 16 is pretty good. Like, when that's when, I think, when you're 16 when you're in high school? Yeah. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I think, okay, just making sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know, I never knew what like grade 14, 14 to 18, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so I say when you're like 16, school, that's when schools should really start putting these kids like, hey, when you become adult, this blah, 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 all this stuff, like life lessons mm-hmm. when you become adult. And I think kids should go to work. Not all, maybe just, just do something at school that just makes them 
work. Like, just well, be, have them be, be hardworking. Yeah, be hardworking. Like, I don't... I, I started working when I was in high school. I don't think it's necessary for a kid to get, like, a paying job while they're in high school, especially if they're struggling with their grades. Mm. I, I think it might even be, you know, a detriment. But I think... The things you're complaining about, about like, you know, a lack of a work ethic and a lack of basic life skills, um, I don't see, I see public, I see homeschool as, you know, you're doing that well, as long as the parents are competent, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I don't see anything necessarily unique about the, the specific complaints. And then also it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Like, mm-hmm. what, what do you propose be done differently so that because this is deeper than just an education thing like this is mm-hmm. we've built a society that glorifies lavish like oh you're not cool unless you drive the really nice car and, and wear the really nice shoes mm-hmm. and so it's like a lot of this is just bound up in the human heart you know mm-hmm. as far as you will be lazy as long as you can be lazy and because we're living in a wealthy society you can be lazy and not suffer that much mm-hmm. So, I think you have to kind of figure out what you think the role of the school is, mm-hmm. what the role of the parent is, and then kind of like how we're supposed to develop as human beings. You understand? I think that's what we're really hitting on is all those three things. Is how how are we? What is a good way for, I guess, a society, a community? to develop as human beings. Um, I would agree with you that I don't think that the role of school right now is really what it should be. And I think that parenting and, and being parents have, it's, it's suffered because of that. Um, and, and we're, we're suffering the consequences because people are not developing into human beings like they should be. Mm. Um, so I think like, you know, I mean, you have specific things that you've brought up and, um, you know, you have specific ideas of, of solutions. Um, to me, like for, for school, I think there has to be a certain point where you're done with the basics and I'll let the people who, who are older, obviously, um, those who are parents or who are of an age that have experience, they can help guide, you know, recognize, okay, this person's really proficient in math. He seems to really enjoy it, enjoying, uh, using math maybe in this way or that way, you know, like. I don't think that by the time you're 18, 19, then, and you're, you're not even necessarily going into what you want to do because yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of stuff is still basic stuff in college. I think college is a scam. The way it's, it's <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah. The, and the idea that everyone must go to college yes. is a scam. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, you, if you're going to learn a trade or whatever, you have to go to some school. Go to trade school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in the sense, like they're both functioning the same way, but they're not called a college and it's, it's not. And I, I like the idea of trade school more than just business masquerading as an education yeah. kind of thing. Um, but it's like, I don't think, I think we're, we're uh, I was going to use a word there correctly, but it could have been, I don't know. But we're making, we're like prolonging childhood maybe and like not allowing the mm. person to develop mm. yeah much later on in life. And um, it's like, I think the kind of things, because I really loved college. Because there I can learn and study what I wanted to. Mm. And I could figure out things about myself and, and, you know, and I mean, obviously relationships were great and everything like that. But I really enjoyed college. I didn't like middle school. I didn't really like high school because 
one, you could be just bored with it, you know, and you just feel like compelled to do something and it's like you find no joy and whatever. And I feel like some of that's vindicated because here I am as an adult and I don't remember a whole lot from pre-calc. Mm. I don't remember a whole lot from chemistry. I don't and know I'm, how to trace a scatter plot. Connect the dots. <laughs> like, honestly, I don't, I don't really remember. I could, I could learn it again, but it's like, mm. that's not really that important what right mm -hmm. and not it's knowing like, how to work in boredom hmm? it's not important what not how to oh. it's not important to know how to work through things maybe the skill they're that boring. they're really trying to teach us is how to grit your teeth and get through something you hate doing i don't think that that's the intentional lesson but in a lot of senses i think that uh, is the only lesson point, there is to in learn. some places yes that was part of the intention and i also well, think that teaches discipline too mm -hmm. i think going like you're saying that i think that i'm does not but yeah but what you're thinking i'm saying is that discipline is not important that's not what i'm saying i'm not saying discipline is important i'm saying school that is a waste of school if you're giving someone assignments and teaching them about something just to see if they can get through it i don't think that that's i think you could if it's like about getting a job or i think if you're going to go into something you're going to have to go through that anyways sure you, but you know so like in mathematics for instance like you may love mathematics but you might have to learn something about mathematics and a certain field that mm -hmm. you're not going to like but you need it in what you want to do so that you can do what you love but you still have to get discipline through it you know you still have to do homework that exactly so i'm not saying like in and of itself it's just like oh here can you get through this that's the purpose of this assignment but like i had a conversation with my kids this past week you know, because I have kids that don't want to turn in their assignments. They don't want to do anything. They want to, you know, just put their head over and fall asleep in class. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine, whatever. What do you want to do, right? Because they're fifth graders. Like, some of them have an idea what they want to be when they grow up. Of course, it's probably going to change 17 times. But, <laughs> you know, um, but okay, what do you want to do? I have one who wants to be an NFL player and one who wants to be an NBA player. Okay, great. That's what you want to pursue. Do you have any idea the amount of discipline that it takes dedication yeah. time management in order to pursue those fields yeah. you coming late to my class every morning you falling asleep in my class every morning you sitting here you know not doing anything not turning in any of your work all of that the habits that you're building right now are the habits that are going to help you to develop into the human you're going to be in 10 years and when you go to pursue whatever field it is especially something that requires a great deal of discipline you know, the fact that you did put in the work and the time to learn how to do the stuff you didn't necessarily enjoy is it's going to help you tremendously when you get into something you do enjoy, because no matter what, no matter how much you enjoy something, there are going to be parts of it that are not enjoyable. And you yeah. have to know how to do those things in order to, you know, work effectively and successfully within your field. I mean, I told them, I said, you know, NFL players, that's great. But guess what? Not everybody who wants to be in the NFL is going to be there. Yeah. They're mm -hmm. looking for people who are being highly competitive for this. And what is it that makes you marketable? You know, you have to have not only skills and talent, but you have to have all of these other traits of, you know, self-discipline, etc., for them to even want you, yeah. you know? And, and so I just, I think that, yeah, fine. Some of it is boring and, and whatever. And I, I'm not saying that the vast majority of your day, you should be bored to tears. But we have to understand that whatever you're pursuing, okay, 
how is what I'm doing today helping me to get there? And if it's not necessarily a specific skill that's guided in that direction, okay, this is just teaching me then at least how to get something, get through something I don't enjoy, you know, so that I'm prepared for those parts of whatever my career or whatever is that it's not necessarily easy. Yeah, I don't disagree with what you're saying because anybody who lives, that lives, sure. understands yeah. that that's a thing. But Let's I'm think. saying, right, I'm saying the role of, of education mm -hmm. That's not the role it should take, uh, because, for instance, like you talked about being an NFL player, an NBA player, by pursuing basketball and by pursuing being a better NFL player, those disciplines are going to be necessary. You're going to learn how to get, you know, grit your teeth through that already. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, some people are so talented uh, and you'll hear stories where they'll be lazy and practice whatever. And then they just happen to be so freaking talented that during game time, you know, they're going to pull it off. But that's not the vast majority of people. Mm -hmm. And even that person that I just mentioned, who's in my, his name is uh, Eden Hazard. He's a soccer player. I just read how one of his teammates said, like, he's lazy in practice, but he'll pull it out in the game. But he had to somehow make it to the professional sport. And he had to go through the discipline. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, like, yes, we know that we have to be disciplined. We have to do things that we don't have to do. But let's mm -hmm. do it in an efficient way. And mm -hmm. I don't think it's efficient at all. For me to have to be bored out of my mind learning uh, uh what's his face you just said his name precap no no the the r oh, uh, henry the seven no 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 well you can say anything yeah we could say anything but i was gonna say shakespeare right, shakespeare's right. classic i don't have to be bored out of my mind to learn shakespeare's classic when i could also uh learn discipline in a field that i had thought was what i wanted to do pursuing so like for instance if i wanted to be an archaeologist there are things about being an archaeologist that I'm going to have to get through that I really don't like about that field and it's going to teach me discipline and it's going to teach me the value of that science but learning the like even though I learn discipline or learning how to get through something I don't really like through learning Shakespeare's classics it still didn't benefit me at all in any different way than if I had just pursued what I wanted to pursue that's the thing like you can't pass again unless you're parents are paying something or whatever mm -hmm. but normally you can't get through college and especially those years that where you're you're going through the field of study that you want to you cannot do that without having some sort of discipline you can't so you're going to learn discipline that's inevitable mm -hmm. um, when is it easier or more difficult to learn discipline when, when you are six or when you are 26 no you're right i, I i'm not i'm not disagreeing but i think the discipline you're saying that the person should uh the person will the person should learn discipline by pursuing the thing that they're going to wind up pursuing anyway and then the disciplinary strength that they will need they will have cultivated because they've yeah. been practicing it now i think i think a pushback that i have against that is the kids are stupid and they they don't they don't know <laughs> and then like even like high school kids they don't know what they're going to do so maybe right. a lot of what public schools are doing is just trying to like consciously mitigate weaknesses mm. and be like let's start let's let's be able to you know throw you out into the world or usher you out into the world being at least baseline good at everything mm -hmm. because if you would have had your uh your druthers as i don't know who says that but yeah <laughs> if, if you would have had your way then from six to 18 you would have just been practicing basketball mm -hmm. let's be honest you probably still wouldn't have made it mm -hmm. and <laughs> like now you have now you can't read kid right so well, uh but like, this was i was saying like we all are agreeing in a basic education mm -hmm. so th they wouldn't read. have been reading writing 
arithmetic. Sure. Three hours. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that would have still been there. I'm not saying like at six. I'm not saying at six. But what I would say is that at six, when the when By you are a child, high schoolish. Yeah. Well, when you are a child, what I was going to say is that I think the role of disciplining has to come from a parent, not the, the oh, education. Yeah. yeah. You understand? So like, you get that already at home. Then at school, already having discipline being taught and cultivated at home. Then at school, you get through the basic stuff so that you can survive this world. And then at a certain age, whether you want to be 16, earlier or later, I don't know. But at the time that you can start to be guided and shaped, you already have that. You already went through that. But now it's more efficient because it's going towards something you want to invest in your future rather than it's kind of... Because honestly, I would say like, yeah, you give people this basic education by the time they're 18 they go out of they go out of high school right then they go up and they they go to some sort of college either by scholarship or they have to pay or they're probably going to get into debt really mm-hmm. then they go to school and what do they do the first couple of years they're there maybe Repeat, the whole time they're there for the first two years they're learning everything they already learned in high but school. not only that but they're also going to show a lack of disciplining by the, their social life yeah that's <laughs> the true. stupidity that they do so it's like no i think that we can really look at the way that it's going on right now. Mm. And when they're supposed to be adults, they're still acting like children because we're babying them for so long. And I, and, and again, it's not like, hey, let's uh, put them by the time they're 10 into a factory and, and making shirts or whatever. I'm, you know, nothing like that. But I just mean like there needs to be something for the parents. And, and the point of education, I think, is just that, is to educate and then mold the person into, the, into how they're made or designed to be what they're designed to be i i think there's one thing like what you said about kids being an nfl and nba player so there's someone who used to work with 17 years old he doesn't work with me anymore sadly shout out to you matthew bernard but he wanted so his well i asked him what he wanted to do he said he wants to be successful so i told him <laughs> he wants to be successful i was like oh, he's gonna be unsuccessful so <laughs> he wants to make a lot of money he wants to make be successful i said okay so Go ahead and name so me rich. three. Yeah, name me three people that you think are successful. Mm-hmm. He said Bill Gates. Mm. Yeah, I said okay, good. So that's really good. He said the operator, the owner, Matt Beach. Okay. He said Steve Jobs. Yeah. I said okay. So do you know what all three of them have in common? And I said, do you know what I want Glasses. you to do? Do you all have in common? Is <laughs> consistency. Mm. That is a big thing. Consistency. If you are always working hard if you're always showing up to that's consistency but if you start like slacking off that's going to be your consistency and people are going to see that one thing that you said which i don't i don't think a coach should do is that you say he was lazy in practice but the coach put him in that's a bad principle absolutely i think what it no, I, that's it a bad principle for 99.999 percent. but then but you get the no you get that freak There's of nature no, because what happens is this Okay? Wait, hang on. You're going to say it so, communicates wait. to the rest no, of the team. No, I'm saying it's this. So, Aaron Jones, he's a running back for Green Bay Packers. He was lazy. And guess what? What they said, and I think it's good. They said, we will not put him in. He's one of the best running backs that's ever been in the NFL. We will not put him in because he said, winning games is important. But... I am not going to reward people who do not show up for practice who are not putting the effort into it. Yeah, no, but can I... Let me that just team owner's point. job is to win games, though. But yeah, so, like, let me just... Yeah, but I'm that's not... why it's so important to have that... Uh, I'm saying that it's just... I'm glad that the team owner did not even put him in. The owner of the Green Bay Packers said no. Because I'm saying it's because 
how and it goes back to how they were raised because mm. i'm saying is that you can't it's i hate rewarding lazy people i hate rewarding people for all being inconsistent people who do, who are not putting any effort in bettering the future why should they be rewarded versus someone who is so again i didn't bring that up to say that discipline is is wrong i was saying that that's an exception but since you're bringing this up, he is consistently good when he plays the games. Mm. Um, but as, as Travis was alluding to, when you invest $100 million into a player and you pay him wages that's like maybe $25 million a year, you're not going to put him on the bench, especially when he can win games. So it doesn't really fit that way. And and as far as the business is concerned, that's good discipline to make sure that you're one of your most expensive assets is giving your club money and what you paid for. I'm just saying. That when right. it comes to sports and stuff, it's it's not it doesn't cut so nice and dry. I mean, but, it screws society as a whole. Yes, but, you know. Okay. Yes, never but, mind but, that. But that's, that's but what you're just talking about is like life is unfair because some people are just born so talented. I mean, it doesn't have to be an athlete, right? It could be an artist, it could be whatever. But it could be someone in math or into science. They just know their stuff, while you have the other person who's working so hard just to try to catch up. Right. Yeah, but he can be at the same level as that guy if he works hard enough. Maybe. For I, some people. Yeah. yeah like, you're talking about... Like, if I trained morning, noon, night, seven days a week, or even, like, okay, you train the appropriate amount, get the... Like, I, I never learned to read or whatever. I just put myself into boxing. Tyson is still just going to lay me out, you know? <laughs> like, it, it wouldn't matter. Or even, you know, someone in my own weight class or whatever. Like, there, yeah. there are people that are just freakishly and and that could even slack you know i mean tyson might not be the best example because he was a really really hard worker but there are people who could slack and still you know it's like talent is not distributed evenly and i get that and i think we should try to uh normalize the message of hey work hard and typically you will succeed and i think that we've built a society that largely rewards people that work hard more than it rewards lazy people which is what you want um, but it's like, you got to know what game to play. Like if you were born to play, you know, accounting and you try to box, you, you're going to have a bad time, you know? Yeah. The only, uh, never mind. Good. I was going to say a stupid joke and I decided just to forget it. Go ahead. Uh, no, cause, no, cause now, no, it's stupid. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> so, uh, talking to you then, like, so at the end of our conversation, what, what we really wanted was that we just want kids to have a better, a brighter future, a, a future where they don't, where they know a lot of the answers that we're asking ourselves. And me and him, we're, we're young, so we don't know crap. We don't know crap, but we do want the young kids to not ask the questions that we're asking at our age, to know that, but still to like to ask different kinds of questions. Mm. We just want. I want to be a nicer I mean, kids to know a lot more than we do. If those kids can be more successful than us, then I think uh, we have done our jobs well. All right. So and what do we do? I thought, well, there's a couple of things. First, I would say um, when it comes to language, I think we should really put language, really push language on these kids. Um, just speaking, like speaking to another someone else within in another language that's communication communication is big mm -hmm. as humans i think 
one language I would say I think that should be not I want to say Spanish I would say sign language should be really really high up there I should think a lot of schools Why teach Spanish spoken language uh, I mean, it's the because, third most used language yeah. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Next English is Spanish. I think there's just right now there's just so many who speak who speak Spanish. Uh, I just don't see a lot of people who know sign language. There's a lot of people who come to our store who can't speak, mm-hmm. and they use this, and no one knows it, and they have mm-hmm. to write it down. I just as as seeing that, I just wish there was someone who could communicate with them, be able to kind of build like a build a relationship with them. I think that's just, what, for my opinion, that's just been kind of that just touches my heart when people can't speak. Um, yeah. It's just when he been they had no one to talk to, um, except with the person that teaches them. Mm. And I think that's I think that's really touches my heart. Mm. Um, I think health. Oh, now, now Nicole's. But I think <laughs> yeah. health is really important. <laughs> um, when kids, when people are going through depression. Uh, I, I, that just breaks my heart. Like when people, kids are going through depression, and kids are having some like suicidal thoughts. Just how to deal with that? How to comfort? That. I, I'll say specifically on like depression and anxiety and a lot of that. That has a lot less to do with like, oh, let me teach you these, you know, breathing exercises or or how to, you know, uh, self guiding, uh, self guided meditation to you know think think about this and think through this process and then a lot of it has a lot less to do with teaching kids strategies and more cultivating loving relationships right because when kids are convinced that they are loved like oh my my parents love me my friends love me my grandparents love me my like when people love them and they they know that they are loved um like in, in a deep level that is honestly what's really needed and the more we keep kids away from their families and keep Mm -hmm. kids separate especially now like so many kids are doing online learning and it's like they have no face-to-face interpersonal interaction they just they they don't get to high five each other or hug each other all that kind of stuff just it really saps them of their joy in a lot of that case and uh, i know i'm not i know this for another podcast but I do want to say like I think kids just I know I'm not I'm, I would say most kids are taught this but I think it should be really drilled in especially these past couple of months that like you're not you're not better than an- another person you're not mm. better you're like everyone treat everyone with respect treat everyone with love like don't don't <laughs> go in so one thing like I always I tell um, the people at Chick-fil-A my dad taught me this is that there will always be someone better than you mm-hmm. you will never be the best never you might be at the best at that point but there is going to be someone that's better than you no matter what that it could be a two year old kid one day it's going to be better than you mm-hmm. you will never be the best and I think that having that mindset it's like you'll never be the best and that's okay see Just I mean you're saying you wisdom do. and it's like I don't I think that can be taught in school because I think kids... That's a lot of, like, guidance and having, right. you know, parents, yeah, but a lot, ministers. Not, yeah, but right. a lot, you know, a lot it, of... It's not like you take a class called Proverbs and then, okay, today's lesson, there will always be someone better than you. No, but there, right. there should be. I think there can uh, be because I'm saying it's not like parents... I don't think, that, I don't think that's the way those lessons are necessarily You don't think the learned. lesson should come from the parent? It should come from school? 
I think you should come for both. But I'm saying like there's some parents who can't. Why? Because they won't talk that. Okay, I mean I understand that, but like, is is school is that the role that you believe school should have? Because at the end of the day, I think what the role school should have is that, like, what is to make sure that they uh, can become more successful or just become. That's that's so vague, though. It, yeah, you know? and, and I would say like a lot of the things that you just mentioned now, the way that um, education is going like right now, at least from what I see. Like, a lot of these things are being addressed. They are being, like, you know, language skills, you know, a lot of that has to do with, you know, conversing about a topic rather than just rote memorization, which mm -hmm. is methodology, which depending on where you got your education as a teacher, you are taught how to do um, mm -hmm. in order to better educate your kids in the classroom. Um, as far as, like, language learning, I know there are courses that you can take for that, but you have to choose those courses. Right. Um, I know there there is a elementary school here in Osceola County that has like a dual language program kind of thing. So it's like there are two classrooms where one class, the kid learns the whole lesson, the whole class learns the whole lesson, the math lesson in English, and then they go to the other classroom where they learn the whole same math lesson in Spanish. And mm. so they're getting that exposure. So those kinds of things are happening um, at social emotional, gosh, there's been so much emphasis on social emotional over the last couple of years because of COVID and because of kids being separated and all that kind of stuff. Um, they're kind of pushing us for, you know, ways to incorporate that. But the thing is, you're adding this and this and this and this, and it's like, you are one teacher. I have 45 students that I have to do that for. How, at what capacity can I do that effectively for all 45 mm. kids? Yeah. You know, I the mean, the answer is... The not very. No, yeah, not yeah. not not yeah. to the degree that I should be. You know, I well, mean, it's like, is it right to expect that of someone? No, it's not. Well, I mean, you know? that I should be in in the sense that that's what that kid deserves is all of those things. But I can't with forty five kids. Yeah. It's just not possible. You know, um, as far as like public school educators, and I would say private as well, depending on your numbers and stuff. It's like you have a choice as a teacher to be a really excellent teacher. Or to be in good health, you cannot be both. <laughs> that's, that's you can't. Like it's that's not possible. That's gotta be a quote. That has to be a quote. That's <laughs> hilarious. But it, like it's not possible. You know, the times when I saw that I was the most effective in my classroom, you know what I was doing? Getting up at four o'clock in the morning and not going to bed until after eleven o'clock at night. And a lot of that time I spent working on things for my classroom. Guess how much sleep I got? Not a lot. And guess what my health was? Not great. You know, and it's like you can't you can't do these things to the capacity that they should be done and also maintain your personal health. And then when your personal health is completely awry, how well can you do this over time? Right. That, yeah. Now that's gone. Can I ask a question? Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that what you just said, like, is the problem how the system is right now or is, is this just not possible at all? I mean, I have theories. Classroom size. I mean, don't you think that classroom, classroom size, size and collaborative lot, teaching, like, yes. if, if you, and, you know, you, you actually, you teach in a public school, so you actually get together, what is it, like, every week with all the other department? Like, what, yeah. you're, you're what subjects? Uh, I teach math and science. In so you fifth get grade. together with all the other math and science teachers of fifth grade, mm -hmm. and you're week. like, okay, well, I came up with this game, or I came up with this strategy, or I can and so you're kind of sharing notes, and then... Hopefully the the portfolio would grow and grow and grow over the years. So you really select what, and you know, it develops also over the years. Mm -hmm. um, and then me, I'm like, okay, 
I'm the ninth grade English and tenth grade <laughs> world history and eleventh grade yeah. Bible and ninth yeah. grade government and economics and well and like ideally you would say that's what we're doing yeah. right but the thing is we're given a fifty minute planning period every day quote unquote let's be real yeah. by the time you take the kids to the block class that they're at for you to have your planning period yeah. then you have to check your mailbox then you have to get back to your classroom yeah. then you have to wait for your teammates to be there now you all have to have your computers open and ready to go you get maybe thirty minutes. To discuss and collaborate mm. and you can't do that as extensively as you should you know i yeah. really honestly the way we did things in the spring where i only had to be available to children for three hours a day was phenomenal for something like this because because what that does is now i still had to work a full work day but half of my work day was dedicated to developing quality lessons, was dedicated to contacting my kids and parents, was dedicated to all those administrative tasks that are added on to teachers. For teachers to really actually teach kids during the day, like you're with kids for a full work day. And then if you, in order to prepare for that work day, you now have to go home and do all of the things that need to be prepared for the time that you're with them. You're pretty much working 24 seven. And it's not, it's Bro, again. you should quit. <laughs> you say that one more time. <laughs> um, no, but I'm saying, but I've, I've learned how to, this is me, now I'm nine years in. I've yeah. learned how to say, okay, I'm not going to be excellent yeah. at some of these things. I'm going to be a because... good teacher and not die. <laughs> exactly. But you, you learn that balance. And unfortunately, it does seem that the kids suffer or the, you know, whatever. And I don't, I never want that for my kids. But at the end of the day. I need to last, you know, if I'm going to do this. And and so I have to pick and choose what are the most important things for my kids to get. Okay, did they get those things today? Then that's enough. Yeah. You know, and that's really hard for me. That's not something that I do very well. It's like I want to do something and I want to do it excellently, you know, but I simply can't if I'm going to have any kind of longevity. You know, so a lot of that's where these kinds of things that you're bringing up, I would love to see more parents, you know, involved in that. And and I have some great parents this year, I have to say, you know, that I can tell that they are actively engaged with their kids. They are asking me questions. They're like, hey, I'm doing this, this and this. How do I improve that? You know, Um, but I, I can see that they're actually involved in that part, you know, but sometimes you get that and sometimes you don't. And it's unfortunate because those are the kinds of things that really need to be more parental. If we're going to effectively teach and do well with them, all of these other things need to be taken care of ahead of time. Right. No, I think, I don't think that um, the answer is necessarily quitting because I think God forbid teachers that want to see the best for the the students end up not being there anymore. I think I, I think this is all the problem just, just gets worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think it's the it's the system. The system needs to be yeah. broken. The system's broke. It's I think tremendously it, broken. It needs to have some deconstruction and reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Um and for the benefit of the teacher and for the benefit of the student and mm-hmm. for the benefit of the parents. This is a huge problem, actually. I think I'm glad we're talking about this because I think it's just a huge problem. Uh, and I can only speak because of the American context because I, I don't know what teaching's like in Europe or in Africa or mm. any other uh, place. It's different. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, it's, it's quite different. Um, but like here, I, I think we can do education in a way where it's um, 
might even be exciting for the student. Mm. I think there could be some excitement for the. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that lacks. Mm -hmm. Kids are like, oh man, I'm not excited to go to school. Some, not all. Yeah. But it's like, oh, but if you only really knew what we were really getting at, but you're mm -hmm. never going to because what you're seeing is this. Yeah, the because facade. we have to. Mm -hmm. And I, honestly, yeah. I think it's because government's so involved. Mm. Maybe I'm I'm sounding too, uh, I don't know, libertarian. Conspiratorial. <laughs> yeah, but I just think the government's way too involved. It needs to be something that's com communal mm. from the community. It makes sense to the community mm -hmm. rather than just, you know, what, what we get now is garbage. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it, it upsets me. Like, my dad's a teacher. You know, I know you're a teacher. I know a lot of teachers. And it's just like, I, I'm, I'm hearing things and it's like, gosh, like, why does it have to be this way mm. for education and for these kids? Like, nobody's benefiting. Right. We're all suffering. And it's mm. just like, right. why can't we sit down and just have a good conversation like we did in this podcast? Yeah. Right. And get a, like, do yeah, you feel I, like you're represented? I know there's a union. Do you feel like there's representation from the teacher side that there's actual conversations happening? Not just between teacher and school board, but the government, you know, the parents. So yes and no, because who's going to represent the teachers? Oh, let me add more hours to my day by going and representing myself mm, and true. speaking to all these people. You, you need know. a third party representation? No, no, no <laughs> like okay. really who needs to be talking about this is teachers. I mean, like I said, okay. I do have theories. I think ideally, if you're going to have me as a public school educator, give me a few hours a day with your kid three, four hours. Okay. In that time period, we cover, you know, these things, then mm. take your kid home. I still mm. need to be there. Mm. I yeah. still need to work, but guess what? I'm telling you last spring was amazing because it gave me so much time. You're saying to it's a think... lockdown. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. No, but like, I for got me, you. It gave me time to kind of get back to my roots of mm. how I like to teach. It gave me time for to develop my craft. It gave me time for creativity in teaching. Because let me tell you, the curriculum they gave us was ridiculous so, and so boring and so whatever. But I was able to get my kids to show up for class, okay, during a time when it was really easy to just not show yeah. up for class. When the governor says you're going to pass no matter what, okay, I don't have to log in ever again, huh. you know. And so, but I got a lot of my kids to show up for class because I could make it creative and make it something engaging because I had the time to develop those things. But they expect us to develop all of this, but don't give us the, they, we talk about, you know, teacher pay, teacher pay, teacher pay, but that's the wrong resource that we're looking at. We're not time. looking at the time. Yeah. Like that's what teachers need more than anything is right. the time to create, especially those who have gotten their degree for education. I don't know the people that you've talked to, where did they, like, did they go to Florida pu public schools or did they go elsewhere? Florida. Okay. Let me tell you something about teachers in Florida. Mm. Uh-oh. Teachers in Florida. Okay. The so only qualification to be a teacher in the state of Florida, you need to have a bachelor's degree in something. You could have a bachelor's in yoga. Nobody cares. Okay. A bachelor's degree in something and you have to have pass a Florida certification teaching test. That's it. Yeah, I did that. That's it. <laughs> okay. You may have no idea the art and science of being a teacher, but you can be a teacher because Florida is so desperate for teachers that they say, 
anything goes, it's fine as long as A, B, and C. Now you're on an annual contract, so they can fire you at the end of the year if you turn out to be terrible. But what happens with stuff like this is Florida becomes the great practice state. And so all of these states <laughs> who have a requirement that you have to have three to five years of teaching experience wow. before they will ever hire you, guess where they come to get their practice? Their training wheels. Yes. Yeah. They come to Florida. They figure out, and let's be real, the first three to five years, you have no idea what you're doing. I mean, my degree is in education and I still fumbled my first few years because you have to work through it and you have to develop that by being in the classroom, you know? And so after their time is up, they go back home because that's where they really want to be. They don't want to be in Florida, but they needed practice. They needed something to put on their resume so that these people, wherever they're from, would actually hire them. And so we just get an influx of teachers coming in and out and in and out and in and out, and nobody sticks around and develops the crafts and makes it good. You know what I mean? It's funny that you said that, uh, because do you know where students in Florida, we know in like all 50 states, you know where Florida put it? You know, like what place, like education-wise? what place for what? Like for education-wise, like... Like I think we had this conversation. Go ahead. Education. Right. So, like, uh, number one, like, uh, kids with the most, like, most brain. Um, You're saying smartest small, kids? Yeah, smartest. Like, the most okay. smartest kids. The state with the smartest kids yeah. is... Nebraska. No. Florida. No. Florida is, like, 30-something. I think it was, like... I, know. I know. We had Florida, this conversation. Were you here when we had this conversation yeah. before? And it was, like, you know, we were talking about the quality of education. And it's, like, we're not that bad. Like, most states, the kids in most states are like, yeah, you know, we're from, I don't know, Arizona. And you know what they say about Arizona schools is like, mm. thank God for Mississippi, you know, because <laughs> we're 49th. Out of, and most states, I feel like, overestimate how low they are in those mm. charts. And I think Miguel looked it up and we were third. No. Depending on the no, metric. No, he was looking at something else. We are third in regards to, oh, what was it? Yes, please clarify this. I, yeah. But I don't think we're like, I don't think we're... Hold in on. the 40s. No. Or I don't even think in the 30s. <sighs> Dang it, my phone is acting up. I think we're right in the middle. I do want to look this up because I, I looked it up then. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this isn't right. We're not third. When it comes to like quality of education, we're more in the middle okay. um, than anything. But hold on. Florida ranking education. Self-fact-checking. Mm. Yeah, the because I... Quality. I because there was there was something to that. I read something where we were mm -hmm. third, mm -hmm. but it had to do something. Go on, and I'll right. tell you when I find it. Um, I just my my thing is like, if we just need, I feel like we just need. To, okay, you found it. I did. Sorry. Um, no, I just remembered it. It included colleges, and so when you mm -hmm. have colleges like the University of Florida colleges like florida state university you have miami like these are good colleges yeah. they are they are top USF, ranked programs PCF. and yeah. so when you include colleges along with because it was it was kindergarten through so it included huh. everything that's what brought us up tremendously ucf is one of the top in the nation for their education program specifically hmm. so for teachers who go to ucf to get an education degree they're actually getting a quality, quality education but not every teacher is doing that mm. and okay you know i'm not saying other other universities i'm sure are getting good stuff you know but i don't there's just a lot of factors that go into all of this you know that are not necessarily being accounted for mm. so anyway sorry that was my spiel uh, i'm saying like i think we just need to set a really strong foundation mm. um for the younger generation 
you can set a strong foundation I think and that's the first step uh, one thing like I, I told you this it was a couple years ago uh, I guess you can use it for this example but I have a friend he, uh, he's really good at drawing mm -hmm. see I asked him to draw a rose mm -hmm. he drew the rose I put another paper over it I shined the light on it and I traced it mm -hmm. and I said look I did exactly this rose is just as good as your rose mm. um, and well the primary example was I was saying like um, pretend you know this rose is represents God and I trace it it's like that's why you want to do you want to trace God like, like you trace his lines you follow his steps but I think you could see the concept is like if we can set the foundation, if we can set, like, if we can teach these kids right, parents right, if we can set these kids right, like, they, they have a foundation, they have something they can tr trace, like, so you can trace over your, what they, what you taught them. So are you saying, like, foundation as in, like, academic, or, or more like wisdom? Wisdom foundation. and academic, just, like, as a parent, okay. like, it's, like, it's your child, it's mm. gonna grow up, not every child, but most children are gonna grow up. <laughs> Like how you teach them, it's how mm. you um, expect them to be. Like how you how you raise them, it's how you teach them. It's how they're gonna grow up. It's how they're gonna see things. And then this is what I said. And this could be put on the podcast. I just want to say one short thing. This is when racism comes to place. Is that no one is born a racist. You are taught to be a racist. You are taught to think you are better than someone from a different color mm. because you know. Someone had to teach that kid something. Who taught them that? Who taught that kid? Most likely, most likely the parents. Because that so kid goes up. that's a point against homeschooling. <laughs> something is that it's parents. If you can set a good foundation, mm. and you if you can draw the picture, your children it's easier for them to trace the lines. Mm. If they can trace the lines, they have something as an example. I don't. I, said, I. I guess I just don't know what you're meaning by like what the foundation is. The found, like, like teach them like everything. Okay, so my what did my dad taught me. He taught me before I moved out. He taught me how to uh disperse disperse my earnings, mm -hmm. how to put into a budget, how much to spend. Okay, life how skills. Much, life skills. Got it. Mm -hmm. Life skills. Yeah. Um. He taught me that every, I mean, pretty much like Christianity. Uh. He's like. Work hard, like he said. Every boss, everyone likes a nice person, mm -hmm. but every boss likes a hard worker, and that's what boss. That's who you want to impress. You can team members can love you, but your boss doesn't like you. You're not gonna go anywhere. Mm. Another thing he said was that, and I take it to this day. It's like when you leave, they're sad to see you leave, but when you come back, they're happy to see you. Mm. That's how you want. Be a good example for old and young people. And I think if, man, it just, it, I'm really sad that he's not working with me. It's Matt Bernard. He's someone who I've actually like, that like I've taken under and just try to teach him as much as I could. I told him like always ask someone that's older than you, me. Everyone you ask, just ask someone that's older. Maybe they know more knowledge. But I'm trying to give him as much information as I could have I wish I got them, things I did learn, and I think that's what, and why now he's doing great, like, I, I'm I really liking how much he's grown and stuff, but even for myself, I, I tell you guys all this time, is that 
I ask for advice all the time. I ask, I listen to everyone, all my friends, to use Eric Sam. I, I listen to it. I take notes from it. I think that's what it is, is that kids, like, listen. Like, listen to the people that are older than you. Take that information and use it. Because there's nothing wrong with asking for help or asking for wisdom. And I'll admit, I'll admit I don't know a lot of stuff. But the stuff I do know is because I had a foundation. I had my dad. I had the. I was able to trace the lines. Mm. Now things I can add to it. I can add that picture to it, and make my own. But the main focus was the rose, and my main focus is that like my when my dad told me I'm can I can use it as my own life, mm. and I feel like I'm doing that. I'm not. I don't want to feel like I'm doing that bad. Mm-hmm. Um. And now if I'm able to, what I learned, if I'm able to share that information. And set the foundation that my dad set, I think it would, I think it's just I think it would help so much just with life skills and just how we see each other, how you just talk to people, how you respect each other. Mm. And that asking for help is not showing of weakness. Mm. Just show of growth. Well, but that has, that's your parenting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that and that's why I'm saying that, that like, kind but of... then I'm saying that they should also kind of put that in schools because there are a lot of now so kids who are 15 years old pregnant they don't know how to do it and like that's what i'm saying back to parenting right that's what i'm saying is that it's not the kids it's the parents are the problem that you (laughs) the the parents have to be the ones to primarily discipline kids how to parent that's how so how often are kids like what's the typical hours of a school day is it six that a kid is in school yeah and wait, are we talking classroom hours or from drop off to pick up? Drop off to pick up. About seven and a half. Yeah. Seven and a half hours. Okay. Jesus. And what? what? I'm saying, geez, that's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. So this kid, it's because we put such an emphasis on the public education, right? Yeah. Like, and not just emphasis on public education, but education, the institution filling all these yeah. other roles. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised that 15 year olds are getting pregnant and there's broken homes because a lot of the time the kid is there relating to their people their age or to people who aren't respected as this not just as an authority but a familial authority mm-hmm. right uh and so like yeah it's, it's like living two different lives i think that's that's, that's oh, the yeah. problem um i kind of wanted to go back to something that you were saying when you when you talked about the system and all that stuff and enlightening us here enlightening us here because um if okay so in spring you had a couple hours with the kids, and you were able to give them, hand them off back to the parent. What was what was the parent doing? Like, is the was this during when everything was locked down? And the parent wasn't able to work. Right. So this was when, um, yeah, everybody was on lockdown. So kids were all at home. Like everyone was at home learning. Teachers were at home teaching. Like there was a lot of, and honestly, I mean, of course, the process was very messy because teachers, you know, were also learning to teach in a different way, mm-hmm. you know. But it's like we had the time built into our day to do that. Now, as far as handing off, it was just like logging out. Yeah. You know? Oh, so they were in, they were at home already. They weren't physically yes, with you. Yes. So what it was is like, um, you know, I had to determine these three hours of the day. I am available to you. Um, I could structure that any way I want. Personally, I preferred to do it as live lessons. So it's mm-hmm. like come to class, you know, which is essentially what we're doing this year is live lessons. Um, but 
but yeah, so I could be with them. And then I had one of my hours was really a contact hour. So if you need additional help, additional support, mm. you know, you simply write me a message and I will call you and let's walk through this, whatever. But my only uh, availability that was required of me, I could go above that if I wanted, but was three hours. I was wow. still required to work my full seven and a half hour day, but only three hours of it was directly with children. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so then... And you and you would argue that, that was a better way of doing things than what you're currently doing. Yes. Okay. I would. So, let's go to the parent here. The parent wasn't. Let's say a lot of them weren't able to work, anyways. Mm-hmm. But now they've come back to full time jobs or whatever. They don't have the time to be available to, to for the child. So then, would we have to then work from there and be like, okay, like you were saying, the labor force increase twofold, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to decrease with decreasing the work, uh, the the work uh, force. Yeah, if and, you if you decrease the supply, you right increase and, the value. And then you, yeah, so the wages would go up for the single parent, but that would also. Do we need to go back? Is what I'm saying. I don't think we can, man. It's, it's not like possible. You, you can't uncrack the egg. You can't. Right. What is it? What's the one? It's a, uh, unring the bell. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, say Humpty Dumpty. Yeah. If we can't, then how do we fix this? Well, well, I I think you fix it on an individual household basis. And like whether, I, I, you know, I don't think it's totally deplorable, the idea that a a Christian would send their kid to a public school. Like, but if I sent my kid to a public school, I'm going to be hanging out with them after and be like, okay, what'd you learn about in school today? And don't just say, oh, no, like, let's talk about it. Okay. What'd you learn about in your health class, in your whatever okay what what do we what do we think about all this type of stuff and having good intentional uh even one-on-one time with the kids would be important because i mean a lot of the stuff that david is saying i agree these these kids need to learn proverbial wisdom and they need to learn uh you know just life skills and healthy habits and all that kind of stuff but i didn't learn i think i have a pretty good handle on a lot of that stuff and i didn't learn it from school now i think the one exception of something that really should be emphasized more is budgeting and is money. But I'm an economics teacher and I put a lot of emphasis. Like I, I ignore, I probably shouldn't be saying this on record, but I ignore a, a good, a good chunk of the stuff that's like in the book that I'm supposed to cover. Like, you know, we cover supply and demand curves and all that kind of stuff, but sorry, kid, you're probably not going to own a bike shop, you know? So uh, let's talk about where your money should go. Let's mm-hmm. go online. How much does an apartment in Kissimmee cost? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you want to live in this area, it costs this much. Where are you willing to settle for? Uh, what are the other typical bills? Are, are utilities included in that? Is Wi-Fi included in that? What's your phone plan? Are you on your parents' insurance? You know, those sorts of things. Um, I really do try to walk them through a lot of that type of stuff. So hopefully my kids aren't griping about that i think they will I, no 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 guys i think i think they will like i think they will take that as yeah mutual and i think i mean i don't know like do you think it would be worth investing so which exit let's say the parents don't have time mm-hmm. would it be worth investing in mm-hmm. getting hiring people or asking people volunteering it's just like asking people to come in and have students just ask questions or like mm. them keep telling them Ooh. so th- this think... is and eric i know you're you're holding on to something as far as like conversations are you talking about with the students yeah with the students dude like I think you, it'd be great. And, and then jess you were also saying uh 
you know, or no, Eric, it was you again, that you were saying like how many, so many kids dread going to school. I think a lot of kids really like coming to my class. And I've even had kids in my class tell me I should start a podcast. <laughs> they don't know about this, or at least not yet, I believe. But, uh, like, they like coming to my class because it is pretty open for them. And then at the church, we have the round tables, and every Sunday, we only do them half of the Sundays, and every Sunday, kids are coming to me mm-hmm. saying, hey, do we have a round table today? Because they get to take part in the conversation. And so today, we talked about, uh, we talked about the insurrection um, at the Capitol, the, uh, we talked about uh, combat sports. We talked about... Uh, what was the other one that we talked about? I don't know. Um, but it's... like They they have the they kind of set the agenda, and they get to ask the questions that they're actually curious about. And so whatever the topic is, we go to the scripture, and we, we derive some principles, and then we kind of, you know, apply them to the questions, to the, to the things at hand. So I think kids get a lot more excited when they feel like mm-hmm. they're just able to sort through their own curiosities uh, okay yes. you've been hanging on to something for a while yeah so uh, the wheels have been turning and i think uh something i've come to uh it's kind of excites me because i think this could really be awesome but what if what if the churches become the educational institutions now i know she i know she's laughing well because i want to know but listen here hear me out. i think it's feasible and we've had like a homeschooling co-op thing mm-hmm. going on well, at it's not just before. homeschooling or like this yeah. academy that's right on the side of a church or anything like that yeah. but, but but you so there's some of that where we were talking about basic education okay mm-hmm. you can go to the church for doing that but you're also talking about this parenting the shepherding well mm-hmm. if we look to the church as brothers sisters mothers fathers mm-hmm. mothers and fathers then we can see this familial authority there mm-hmm. and also you can have this parenting that's going on so that if the parent is too busy working out which still working <laughs> out but working out there is what i meant outside yeah. of that uh, we're just going to say out there yeah um though ideally there still needs to be a little bit more communication communication yeah. like but collaboration i think then it becomes this community yeah. but also the education but i see it kind of being solved that way yeah largely um well why were you so why were you laughing <laughs> oh just because everything always goes back to the church the church well but yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not anti i'm just saying like it always goes back to yeah. well, the church it's gonna be like one big global school though, <laughs> right, right? <laughs> yeah well but what i mean is like that really fixes a lot of the problem mm. I also, it addresses it. Yeah, right. or yeah. It addresses it's going to create it. its own subset of problems. But I think sure. they're very. I think they're. But manageable. that's humanity. Yeah. You know, like there's yeah, always there's... going to be an issue, no matter. Right. I love the idea of with. that happening. Like, mm-hmm. and and when I say homeschooling co-op, like it wasn't just oh, all the moms get together and talk mm-hmm. about you know their strategies or whatever. But it was literally, let's say you have you know twelve homeschooling families, and then it's like okay, well these three moms will teach on Mondays and then these three moms will teach on Tuesdays and then then it's like you you break up the workload you know it is kind of daycare but it's also uh you know everybody's getting in touch with each other's families and you Mm -hmm. wind up having you know play dates that arise out of that and families going over to each other's houses for dinner Mm -hmm. and and it really does enrich the community that way I think that's a great um you'd have to sort out the the details of it but I think that's a great Force well, to pursue. It would ultimately be about discipling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Because like you're this... also making them Christ followers. Yeah. Well, and that's really the goal. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, there is this yeah. uh, fundamental education surviving the world that you're in, but mm-hmm. it's also being who God has called you to be. I don't know if I'm the word. I... What were you going to say? 
Well, okay, so that is great for if we're talking about like our like Christian families. So non-Christian families, are they just still going to those regular public school systems? Yeah. Are we eliminating those systems? Because... Let the dead bury their dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of of that mentality, but okay. I think it's like this also affords the opportunity for being alike because it's like, hey, I think they'll start to catch on if mm-hmm. things yeah. go well, right? It's like, yeah, it's not so hey you know things are kind of working out here what's mm-hmm. this all about it's like yeah, yeah because we're living city on a hill type of yeah well we're living more in the way that we believe god has designed us to be and if mm. you see a success i think it validates that this is how god designed us to be mm. rather than living in this way that you guys are doing that that isn't working at all everybody's kind of sharing the misery and that's about it mm. uh you know there are people who are succeeding uh, i'm not saying that nobody succeeds or gets mm-hmm. out of it or whatever but it isn't really and each school like serves their community so much as like yeah. there are certain zones and kids and what there's just so many kids within each community that you now yeah it's again a mass scale thing it just becomes a mess yes um you know and, and like i said as everybody's suffering it's like like the problems that we've talked about we probably haven't hit all the problems it's like there's just so many different things that are going on too many students or too many expectations mm. not enough time Maybe sometimes I don't have pay. Like if I'm going to work all this time, I need more pay. But really, is it just about the pay or is it the way that I'm spending my time? So it's all this kind of stuff. But it's like, oh, but hey, if we kind of just come together as this community Mm. and we have this objective and we also have this objective authority, right? Mm. Then it starts to make sense to fall in place. And and it's just like, hey, you know, yeah, there's going to be problems. But um, I trust the pastor and, and the church leaders to have a certain amount of authority they're also trusting me that and, and holding me accountable as I think the Bible puts out to discipline your child. So it's mm-hmm. like, Hey, uh, you're, sorry, but your child is kind of acting out and, and, you know, and maybe the, the elder, the pastor can also shepherd the parents mm-hmm. and how to, you know, like, I think this really works. Yeah. I think it's like pretty simple. Like I think the, the solution is a church. I think, um, I think what, what you said is that like, Oh, it, the parents don't have time in the schools and all the church thing. I think no matter how busy the parent is, I think they still need to either still talk to the kid about what they learned. I think I, you always have time for that. No matter how busy you are, I think that yeah, is a must. In the car, right? in the car yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Put the phone away I while think, you're in the car. Yeah, yeah I would really like the coach thing is a good idea. But, man, I, I told, I told Dylan, we had the idea of like, what if schools like had volunteers? Because I think a lot of people would volunteer. I told him, like, I mean, I would love to volunteer. I would love to mm. go to give them my visit. Even though, like, I'm young and I don't know a lot of stuff. But I think I can still share some stuff that I learned. Um, I think it would be wiser to get someone with more experience. Mm. But, man, dude, if, if they if they want something like that, and, I, and I'll be more than happy to throw my name in the hat. I, I don't think they're, that you are necessarily going to have people chomping at the bit to volunteer like speaking as someone who does like need people to volunteer to help with you know training the youth and specifically okay, in the aspects that you were talking about, about yeah. uh, as far as like wisdom you know we're not we're not teaching them math but we are you know teaching them precepts of scripture and how to apply those to their lives and uh you know i i think i have the volunteers that i need right now and you know the ministry has grown which is cool but um you know i've i've had to get more on board about asking you know specifically for help right. and if there was a school like that i would honestly would cut my hours and just like volunteer 
if mm-hmm. it was like even one day a week two days like i'll i'll do it just because i uh, this is something like i'm passionate about and mm-hmm. i think it's just something that i think would really help even yeah and i would love to be wise and i think me helping teachers would build my wisdom hearing them yeah but man but like teaching by teaching yeah but i i'm i at chick-fil-a right now well not so i'm at the with new people i don't know these new people very well but my old store man i would really try to help these young kids especially this i said matt bernard i really put him under my wing and just try to teach him as much as i could telling him like always say like ask older people mm-hmm. that's the best thing to do like wisdom you want to be one more stuff ask older people mm-hmm. to ask someone that's older than that not someone that's older than that because nothing beats experience um so i have a, a topic that i'm interested in bringing up and it, we don't have to talk about it for a long time but what about art where do where, how does art factor into all this as far as like cultivating and understanding of how to engage with the beautiful um like you had said eric that you really you thought it was a total waste of time to have to read shakespeare um and i agree that like i i like shakespeare but i agree that he can come off as incredibly dry for a massive amount of especially like subliterate people like if, mm-hmm. if these kids are still learning how to read regular prose and then you try to drop some you know mm-hmm. 17th century shakespearean drama on them like mm-hmm. they they don't they, you need to footnote every line in order for them to really know what's going on mm-hmm. um but at the same time we read some like short stories by tolstoy and i love that because you know tolstoy was a deeply <clears throat> religious man and so he he um you know, incorporates a lot of that into his text, a lot of great lessons that are in there. And I, I think it is important, not just, you know, literature, you know, stories, poems, things like that. I think even with art, I think school is missing a lot by not teaching kids more about how to engage with that stuff. Because to be honest, like, kids are so used to, the example that I give is like they're used to having their mouth full of Jolly Ranchers all day mm. because they're staring at this screen that's bright colors and it's fast paced mm-hmm. and it's really stimulating. And then asking them to like consider why Rembrandt might be, a, you know, why a Rembrandt painting might be beautiful. They're like, man, this is boring. This is, this is stupid mm-hmm. because they've been watching fast paced, colorful mm. stuff all day. And it's like, man, you're just you're missing the ability to engage with beauty here. So how do how does the education sector uh handle that i uh or what might be done i think it's really important like all like i told you this like or music learning, too. yeah let's mm-hmm. say learning music i think learning instruments really important mm-hmm. um i'm gonna be honest i wish i i wish i had learned to play an instrument i think it just helps the brain be creative like honestly mm-hmm. pick up that guitar uh, what is it what is it let's tell why it's helping what the I think it's, I don't really buy into all okay. that. Okay. Well, anyways, it's what? it's. I think it just builds like, like that. One is the artistic side; the yeah. other is the mathematics uh, side. I mean, I mean there is... there is an emphasis. There's a specialization, but people people have the idea that like when you're doing math, you're only using your left brain, mm. your left hemisphere of your brain, and that's not. It's all connected. Yeah. I anyway, th- yeah, your I think, artistic. Yeah, capacities. I think it's really important to try to like learn an instrument. Mm-hmm. I think it it shows discipline. Mm-hmm. So I think it also just. It shows like 
I think it really shows discipline. It also shows like you work hard on it. You, mm. you, you see the improvement. Yeah. Like what you say about yeah. working out, it, you're not going to be good at it at the beginning. But mm. when, when you see the progress, as mm. I said, mm. I think that's really important. Yeah. I wish I had done that. But also, as like, as I got an older, I have come to appreciate like art. And I would also say like I've come to appreciate, I think my two big things I really appreciate is mm. sculptures. Mm. I think those are just... Mm. Like, I Me. think the inhumane, the arts, like the woman behind the veil, I think that's mm. inhumane. That's, mm. that's, that's, every Didn't time I see mean, it, like, cruel. Oh, oh, I think it would be like impossible. Like, it seems oh. like humanly impossible. Okay. Every time I see it, I'm like, how? That just seems impossible. Mm. And I would have to say, like, this may seem kind of dumb, but like, movies. They're going like, like K pop. Uh, yeah, movies, movies, definitely, man. I think it's Dude, just I talk so much yes. about movies. <laughs> in my in my classes because okay. i mean specifically because i teach history and I, so i'll teach like mythology and i'll teach a myth and i'm like okay where have you seen this before and I'll, so i'll teach the myth of horus mm. you know horus isis and osiris and set and all and I, I teach that myth and i'll teach it for maybe like 10 minutes and i'm like okay where have you guys heard this story before you have heard this story before where have mm. you heard it before and then i'm like okay think about it this happens this happens happen. and then eventually someone will get it and they'll be like oh that's lion king <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, this is exactly the story of Lion King and then mm. Hamlet. And then, you know, there's there's a bunch of other things that have, mm-hmm. have kind of risen off of the back of this thing. Mm. But, yeah, t- I think movies are, I think movies should be regarded and taught more. We just don't have deep enough of a history of yeah, them yet. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have as deep a history of movies as we do of, of literature. Yeah. Mm. So. I think it's, so, like, I, I do like the arts. Um, but I think one of the reasons I was bored is the way we went about learning them mm. i don't need to know the technical things about shakespeare how uh iambic pentameter yeah i was gonna yeah. say the pentameter all that stuff like that's 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 only important if that's the field you're going down mm. see so we're teaching around but like if you told me the story if you broke down the story of yeah. othello or whatever mm. in a modern sense so i can understand instead of just giving me yeah. here's the seventh 15th yeah. cent, whatever it's like okay and because i think humans love stories yeah it's just natural yeah. to us so for for literature for instance anybody's going to get literature you're a human being so yeah. you like the story the character whatever teach it that way expose people to the arts mm-hmm. and then if they want to go further then allow them to go further i think there definitely has to be a place and there always will be a place for artists it's, yeah. it's just part of being human um but it's the way you go about teaching it you mm. know like i don't need to go I remember fourth grade i was learning to play on that stupid recorder you remember that it was <laughs> yeah. loud and annoying for everybody and you don't they still and, do it and yeah. they had 30 of them and yes. like 30 kids 30 recorders don't, and, just, and most of them are bad yeah. yeah like don't uh teach me how to play the instrument mm. right yeah. teach me about music play yeah. music tell me about yeah. little bit explain of themes explain. yeah or have someone who does yeah. who took the time to learn an instrument to come there and show us different things and like wow that or, might spark I, mean, us. I think there's a value to showing them like and here's how, you know, when you put your hands over this, it actually makes the, yeah. the air come out. There. And so, you know, at a different pressure. And so it changes the tone and teaching them just really basic things on a recorder. Right. Now, I, I, yeah, I think that you could use a recorder to teach them, you know, uh, like a like three part harmony. Like, mm-hmm. oh, was it C, F and G? Like they they sound like this. And now you play a C while you play an F and you play a G and mm-hmm. you see how that kind of goes together. So I think it can be used well. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm a huge just... advocate. <laughs> yes. 
I'm a huge advocate for putting the arts in. I think the recorder specifically, it's annoying, but at the same time, there are a lot of basic it's things simple, that you can yeah. teach them with that. It's like and I think exposure to stuff like that is important. But what about the kid who is extremely gifted and talented in music, but doesn't know it yet yeah. because they haven't had any exposure to it because yeah. maybe their family is not, yeah. but it's something. And I know like for me, I learned a lot of the things that I learned through music. And so, like, to this day, I still have times tables that I sing to myself because I can't remember otherwise, you know. But my teachers used music to teach the times tables. They used these these kinds of um, just different artistic venues, you know, which helped my brain to connect it. And the thing is, these kids are all wired so differently. You have kids who are more geared toward you know, learning things musically or learning things, you know, artistically or whatever. And once they get that exposure to basic things that were annoying to you because, you know, that wasn't your skill set, that wasn't something that clicked for you, but it gave exposure to that kid who might not have known otherwise. Um, and I don't think it was a huge period of your life, right, that was taken out by it. So I don't know. It's Again, this is where public education, right? We just give a basic overview of all the things to all of the people especially at a young age you know because in fourth grade you have no idea where you're going you know so yeah. it's like you kind of need to know those you know like well, you get so a lot of really basic tools in your yes. toolbox basically. Yeah, so you. what i would say is the like if it was unnecessary because mm -hmm. i did end up liking music and i mm -hmm. did end up picking up an instrument but it had nothing to do with the recorder because i'm in fourth grade like you said i'm in fourth grade uh but when you're older that might come into to factor in and when you're older and you could take the time to appreciate different things about music because as i've gotten older i've come to appreciate but as, as a young kid but see i started young i started really long young with music so, so that's every kid is different yeah right. and it's like that way you know? so so where do you so where do we I, so that's what i'm saying if every kid's different then public because, education is not the thing <laughs> right no i get it. no i get it's i get almost it. as it but so like that's what i'm saying like you it's like okay well some might start young so let's start everybody young isn't really fair but to say well some start older let's start older isn't necessarily fair so that's why i'm saying with arts what education has to be we have to agree on what education has to be mm -hmm. and if it is like life skills and these things that are necessary like you need to know how to communicate verbally mm -hmm. and this is how it works in english yeah. you need to know how to write it and all this stuff then it comes like very basic and simple and what I'm saying is do that and then later on have the ability to get into the, the, the education. Because like even though, let's say I never took the recording or whatever. Mm -hmm. If I if my parents wanted to, if they'd noticed something about me, they can always, because my dad did, like he took me to, to learn piano. Mm -hmm. I remember pressing all this stuff and at the time I didn't care. And I, I mean, I might pick up piano or whatever, but it's just like there's still like availability outside of mm -hmm. public education oh, to sure. do those yeah. things, you know. So it's like, yeah, I think there are some kids that start off early, they're prodigies, or not even just prodigies, but they just start off early already liking it and knowing it. That's I, I think also maybe part of it is um, schools are just trying to make sure that you're doing something engaging. Because I, right. I, I like the concept behind like, well, what if... What if schools just made sure that people could read really proficiently? Mm -hmm. Like you can read as well, you know, people are limited in different capacities. You can read as well as you can. And like you're, you're pretty good at math, especially the types of math that you'll need for budgeting and things like that. And then, you know, just teach an hour of each of those a day and then just let them go home and, and research on their own. And it's like, mm -hmm. what are most kids going to wind up doing for those extra hours? Right. Playing They're going to wind up playing video games. Yeah. Right. You know? And uh, like... 
if you give the kid the option, they're probably mm. not going to choose the thing that are going to, the things that are going to like give them a richer, fuller mm. understanding of humanity and of beauty and of philosophy. They're going to be like, yeah. you know, Call of Duty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think. Not, yeah. You learn a lot about humanity when you play Call of Duty. Yes, when it comes to like music <laughs> and when it comes to music and art, um, it's like what you said. When you're using the kids, I think that changes things. Like what's that Benjamin Franklin saying? Like, uh, tell me and I'll forget. Mm. Show me, and uh, I won't remember. You, no, show you, me and I'll remember, mm. and involve me and I'll understand. Yeah, yes. I think if you to um, like what Travis said, like if you're using the kids, they'll mm. definitely be more engaged. But I think if you're you're using those kids like <laughs> to show an instrument like you're, you're engaging with all of them like showing them down at the end mm-hmm. like you, sh- you, do, you play something mm-hmm. you show them what they what they've done you do it in front of a small audience mm-hmm. i think i think that just would just boost it up um mm-hmm. because everyone, everyone likes seeing a project they finished mm-hmm. um oh yeah and like drawing doing art and stuff and just like mm-hmm. hey like this is what you made because like and you show it in front of other people. Other people, just everyone likes being shown off their good work. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that they could do is just yeah, use them more. Yeah. So I do something in my class called Genius Hour, and so um, every day they it's it's called Genius Hour, but they only get forty five minutes. Um, but basically, they, <laughs> I know. Um, but they get a period of the day to pursue a passion project, whatever they want. It doesn't matter. Um, but it just, it has to be approved, you know, before they can Mm -hmm. start, um, investigating it and everything. And I have seen so many just really cool things come out of that. I mean, like it's, it's amazing the way their brains work and the things that they can come up with when they have the time to think creatively, Mm -hmm. when they have the time to do their own research, what I would love to see, um, it's not going to happen, but if we must keep kids in school for seven and a half hours (laughs) in the public education setting, whatever, what I would Sure. No. But what I would love to see is, you know, like I said, the the direct instruction like we've been doing, you know, for three, four hours, you know, not direct instruction. But anyway, where the teacher is with the class for those hours, the other half of the day, have all those kids go to the cafeteria with their laptops and pursue their passion project for half the day. You have a couple of monitors who are watching them, keeping Mm -hmm. an eye on them, but they're doing self-learning pretty much. Um, for your teachers to have their time to pursue their craft and to get creative in their teaching and all those kinds of things. I would love to see it. It's not going to happen because we're never going to have enough monitors to make sure that they're actually doing what they need to do, resources, all of that. Um, But because I do think creativity is such an important piece of Mm. their learning and just the way that, again, some kids it's not going to help, but for some kids that is how their brain works. Do you assign homework? Like to your in-person kids? Um, their homework is if you didn't finish it in class, you have to take it home and finish it. Huh. Which if you're using your time wisely and if you're engaged and you're following directions, you should be done. Hmm. I don't do additional. Some people do. God bless you. Um, I just, to me, it's more important that you go home and spend time with your family um, than to... Because for some kids, it will take them three, four hours to do one page of math. Yeah. You know, and I don't think that's how you should be spending your evening after you just spent your entire day, right. you know, working on this. Okay, so then, Jess, you have, you have the ear of 
the school board or whatever you know like you're at the meeting that you don't have the time to be at but uh you know if, if you have the ear of the people and let you know we can make it specific if you want and say like the the floridian context or even just more general than that um what are the few things that maybe not even like here's a step for how to fix it but just here's the root of the problem and unless you address this you won't be addressing anything that's actually going to make a difference like what what do you say to them if you have their ear for you know, um, however long just i mean like i've said appropriate time you know making sure that you are structuring your day in such a way that your teachers have time for collaboration and planning and not this joke of an amount of time that we're given because even so yeah. the planning period we have if you have parent meetings you have to schedule True. them during that time if you have staff meetings you <clears throat> schedule them during that time like the real amount of actual planning periods <clears throat> i get during the week maybe two mm. maybe two of the five days you know and that's because i'm very intentional not to plan meetings on mondays because dang it i need that day to really you know work on setting up my week and i try really hard not to schedule fridays because i want to wrap up and have things yeah. you know uh ready up and coming but i mean yeah that is the major thing because as much as teachers may complain about pay um what it amounts to is they're not being paid for the amount of hours that they are putting into their job mm. you know and so it's like if we would honestly i like the system that i just laid out where you're working with kids for half the day the other half of the day they're in the cafeteria they're in the cafeteria yeah. doing their own you know individual learning um I would love to see something like that. And I feel like the way things are right now... Do you think you can right trust now, kids to be individually learning? Or do you think they're just going to wind up looking up, you know, like... I, I don't know if cheat codes are still a thing, but... Oh, yeah. No, that will definitely happen. That yeah. will definitely happen. And so, okay, but this is their passion project time. So it's like, here's my, my thing. passion is Fortnite. Well, <laughs> whatever. Fine. If you want to find how to better develop that game or something, like, I mean, okay, they can't really do that in school. Yeah. But whatever. Um, I, none of this is ideal. None of it's ever going yeah. to work completely. Um, I think you need appropriate monitors. But again, we're not going to have enough people. Even as it uh. stands in the lunchroom right now, I think they have like two or three monitors during lunchtime, you uh. know? And so if you had only those people you know, doing, you know, doing that or what, or even like rotate teachers out where it's like, okay, one day a week, you're going to be in the cafeteria monitoring for half the day, but the other four days are yours to do mm. your planning and everything. Um, but I mean, that's really what it boils down to is just appropriating our time so that we can develop the thing that we love to do. You know, because we're not given the time to play around with it. I mean, the the thing, I got so many people who came to me last, uh, when everything shut down, like, how do you do this and how do you do that? Because I somehow became the expert in our digital platform, but it was because I had all these hours to mm. literally go in and click buttons mm. and find out what does this do and what does that do and how does this work? You know, it's all just a matter of uh, digging in and playing around with stuff. And I think the kids need time to do that in their day. And that gives, if we must have all these hours because parents are working and whatever, you know, it gives them something to do, like you said, but also it's something that is pushing them. Um, I think you can, 
alleviate for some of uh, like what you were saying about them wasting time on other stuff, give them a deadline. By the end of this week, you must have completed this portion of the project. Well, you know? but if everyone, and this is an honest question, sure. I'm not, this isn't like a pushback. If everyone's working on their own additional passion project, like, how do you make a gauge of like, well, this kid's passion project is, I don't know, sculpting. Mm-hmm. And so he gets some Play-Doh. And, uh, you know, he's, he's going to say, oh, yeah, I spent an hour on this a day mm-hmm. for five days this week. And really, he might have just slapped something together in 20 minutes. Um, do you think that that's, I don't want to say enforceable. I feel like that's the, like, do you, do you think it's accessible? Um, or do you think it's ultimately going to wind up being something that you wind <clears throat> up having to sacrifice mm-hmm. in order to afford these kids an allotment of time to, to pursue things they want to do. Right. And that's no. just a sacrifice you're going to have to make. Is that yeah, the... I mean, kind of, yeah. Okay. Because let's be real. I mean, they're not getting the quality of education that they should be getting unless their teachers are putting in crazy hours after. Oh. You know, they're, they're not getting it anyway. And I hate to say it like that, but I've <clears throat> I've heard of too many teachers in too many places that are like, Oh, well, here are the directions. Go on your market set. Go. There are teachers who will literally give you a worksheet and say, you have an hour. Go do that. If we're doing stuff like that anyway, why Hmm. not make it something that they are interested in learning? Something that they are actually, you know. But I find that some of these kids who may be prone to, you know, oh, well, I'd rather play Fortnite or whatever, you know. Once you give them a prompt like this they start like software development in order to develop their own video game or Hmm. whatever the case is. Like they actually get excited about this stuff and they want to do the research because they want to learn about the things that you're going to have kids who don't fine, whatever, but that's going to happen no matter what. So I am actually, well, pretty soon going to be assigning a research paper. Mm-hmm. And I really like when I assign a research paper to to give them a lot of free reign as to what they want to do it on. Mm-hmm. Um, like if a kid wants to do it on um, the MCU, mm-hmm. like if they want to do their research paper on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's like, okay, you can. But it's going to be more than just the story of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be telling me about, you know, direction decisions and all that, you know, how this idea was in conflict with conflict with this other idea and so they had to make sure you know and make this choice Mm -hmm. so i I like being able to give kids liberty and not just say like pick an event from american history and Mm -hmm. then you know you're gonna or pick a you know famous scientist from the last 200 years and write a paper on them so if i were to say something like um look our school next year is going to invent an elective and it's going to be whatever elective you choose, mm-hmm. okay? So if that's philosophy, if that's mm-hmm. coding, if that's, you know, uh, art appreciation, if that's keyboard, whatever it is, um, what would you, what elective would you want them to offer? That w- So it would be a class with a competent instructor mm-hmm. and, um, you know, let's say 15 kids in it that are as excited about that project as you are. This mm-hmm. is in Shouldland. This is like just a hypothetical. <laughs> Okay, now um, you're the teacher, mm-hmm. and I want you to set up um, nine weeks worth of lessons for that. And so, like, if it's philosophy, 
then I want you for your research paper, you need to set up like, okay, what are the introductory ideas of philosophy? And, uh, you know, what are, who are the important people to, to read behind in order to um, get a well-rounded view of mm. aesthetics or ethics or politics or whatever? Um, now, I'm, I'm afraid of doing something like that and then them going online and just like, okay, I'm going to Wikipedia philosophy mm. and then I'm going to just copy paste that, that little tabs mm. um, menu, the, the table of contents basically. And then turn that into a sentence outline, jam it all together in paragraphs, and hand it in. Mm. And I'm like, I, I'm not willing to um, let some kids get away with that mm. so that a few kids will wind up actually doing the work. And mm. it's like, I, I do want to find a healthy middle ground. And right. I think I've found some ways around that. Um, but I just remember doing research papers as a kid it's like man there's so many things i'd love to actually mm -hmm. be looking into right. and now i'm stuck doing one on like you know i don't know uh thomas edison or whatever <laughs> which actually he'd be pretty yeah. cool but still for you um, yeah well and even as far as accountability i mean part of how i liked to structure my additional time and we could say, I don't know, incorporate this into the second half of the day. You know, mm -hmm. one of your hours or half hour or whatever is dedicated to, you know, one-on-one -on -one video chat with that kid who's in the cafeteria. Okay, yeah. show yeah. me your progress. <laughs> Share your screen. Show me what progress yeah. you're making. You know, so that I can see at least that there is progress being made. You know, um, when I even when I develop my Genius Hour stuff, they have a template for all of their research. And so they have to, it's, I mean, it's literally a box like where you type in your research, yeah. but every day I should see where you have done some research toward this and every day it should be different and it should be building upon, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, nothing is going to be ideal unless you homeschool with amazing parents. Um, but you know, this is the society that we live in. Cool. I think we made a lot of salient points one day in the future when we're all famous <laughs> people will be looking back on this and implementing these ideas sure anything so. else from anybody no i don't think so not all at right. the moment we solved it kamal breaking news <laughs> schools are no longer a thing oh man dang all right <laughs> <laughs> See you later.